Hello? 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 It worked. It worked. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Jason. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Oh, finally. my gosh. Finally. Six tries. Six tries. Yo, I finally made it. Finally made it work. All right. Oh, how'd, you, how'd you get to work? Uh, so there was, like, problems both with my Bluetooth headset that I wanted to use and also with permissions. So that was just... That was just the main issues mainly. And then for oh. some reason, there was this one time, like, try to connect. And, like, I was on, but you couldn't hear me at all. So I assumed that that was also another problem, too. Well, when, but, was uh, that? when was that? Just I think it was, like, try four or something like that. I have no idea. Interesting, interesting. Anyway, we got to work, and we're mm-hmm. back with Jason Chin. Third time, I think. Like, he's becoming a regular on our channel here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks again for the thanks again for the invitation oh yeah oh yeah and we got some we got some things to talk about mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah uh my mouth hurts again the the sores are back so hopefully it doesn't like you know deter from much or the viewers listening but i'll, I'll try to do that and Lisa might have to carry some of the load but we'll see Definitely, sure will, definitely will try. Right. Definitely will try. Yeah, yeah. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So today's podcast is going to be about the Canucks, the playoff and season recap, and also uh, Tiger Woods and the U.S. Open uh, for golf. It'll be the first time we'll be talking about golf, which is exciting because both Jason and I are avid golfers. So that'll be that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. What should we talk about first? Uh, we will start with, yeah, season, regular season, and playoffs. Let's see. Uh, so hockey playoffs. Yes. Uh, okay, well, first off, I think in particular, it's kind of gone somewhat the way I expected, and at the same time, somewhat the way I haven't expected it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few things that you expect, like, obviously, like, Tampa Bay to go pretty far, and also for Las Vegas as well to go pretty far as well. They went to conference finals, and Tampa Bay is now in Stanley Cup finals, kind of what we predicted a year late, but uh, it's de- it's definitely time that they didn't choke so that's definitely great um oh yeah mm-hmm. uh the tampa boston series wasn't really what i expected i thought it would be way more of a hard fought type of series kind of like 2011 all over again you know but um but yeah like i think tampa's definitely done a really good job using uh the copious amount of skills that they have the skill players that they basically have within their team and in general, like, able to hit very well, not only with their defensive line, like, their offensive depth and defensive depth has just been 
absolutely amazing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not like Andre Vasilevsky is like any slouch either. Like he's definitely playing extremely phenomenal as well. So I think, you know, Tampa's definitely earned their uh, ticket to the final. Um, Dallas is definitely very interesting because at the very beginning of the playoffs, I, I thought they were going to be dead either by Calgary or the second round because both during the regular season and also the first part of like that kind of round Robin series, like their offense was super dried out. Uh, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. I remember the time there was like that controversy as well um, with, um, with like the owner kind of literally calling them out. And now they've literally, it's literally like another St. Louis story where they kind of were near the bottom, kind of meet pretty mediocre. And now they're basically fighting for the championship. So that's, that's definitely part of the uh, playoffs. That's definitely surprised me. Um, Vancouver and New York Islanders definitely going a little further than I expected. So, but so both of those teams pretty well, Islanders definitely impressed me a little bit more being able to, hang out with Tampa Bay a little bit more. Um, Vancouver and the fact that they were able to get into Vegas's heads pretty well, that was definitely really good. They definitely dried up offense pretty well. Um, mm. I think in general, like this, this hockey playoffs, like I, I never put an asterisk on any championship. Like every single, every single season has its, has its challenges. And like this, this, this championship for me honestly wouldn't be any different if Tampa Bay won it. Like I would never hold it on their heads. Like, Oh, because it's coronavirus and it's a bubble. It's different. I mean, every championship has their own, has their own challenges, has their own uh, interesting circumstances that come into it. And there's always stories that come every, every single year. Like this one's just, you know, definitely one that is of a larger magnitude um than than previous years but i'm pers i'm personally excited to see this tampa dallas series i think it's going to be a hard fought but i think a majority of people kind of would go tampa bay um and including myself who's kind of jumped the bandwagon on it but uh yeah that's that's generally my general consensus of like how i've seen the nhl playoffs like obviously like there's some teams I expected to be going far, some teams that definitely have surprised me. But overall, it's, it isn't like it was absolutely out of the park in terms of like uh, teams that were off the board necessarily. So that's basically like my general consensus of this, um, of this uh, NHL playoff so far. Yeah, that's a, that's a great recap. Great recap. Uh, yeah, I, uh, Tampa and Dallas, I both I like both teams. So, honestly, it's a win-win situation for me. But I, I'm also rooting for Tampa because my favorite uh, player from the Lightning, Braden Point, is a consummate candidate. So, I, I wish he would carry, carry the, the Lightning in the finals. But Dallas got some stars, too. <laughs> Pun intended. But yeah, uh, it'll, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun for sure. Yeah, definitely shooting for for a championship for yeah. sure. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, what was your question? Uh, how many games do you think it'll go? The final. Tough, tough, tough question. Uh, good question. Hmm. Eh? Good question. 
It's it's difficult. Uh, I would say I would say like, and 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 the main reason why is because like I've seen the Dallas Stars been able to shut down like you know really big offensive skill teams. I just think that Tampa Bay is finally going to be that one team that breaks through. Um, I think it I think it gets done in around six. Like it's definitely not a walk in the park for this one. If Ben Bishop was a little bit healthier, it would have been really interesting to see Ben Bishop versus Andre Vasilevsky. You know, the basically the uh, the top goaltender playing against his understudy back in Tampa. So that would have been interesting. Exactly. Um, exactly. Bishop but now, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, Kadobin, you know, before before this season, like, was pretty much like a journeyman goaltender. And it was, it was really interesting to see uh, his save percentage. I think it's like past like nine Oh five for like the whole like regular season, which is absolutely amazing. And like playoffs is like nine, two, five, something like that. Um, so it, it's definitely a case that Kadobin has definitely stood on the head for the stars, but the stars have also been, um, really good in terms of offense like you know it's basically a who's who of like you know 2015 or so like you got obviously you got the big names and jamie ben uh tyler sagan uh cory perry um joe pavelski uh you also got andre sakara um but you also got like the young guys like johan klingberg and you know heiskanen uh very ra- underrated players um Rupi hints definitely has brought some grit and uh, a little bit of scoring too so it's 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 a it's a really deep team that's very underrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think, Justin? Do you uh, think how many how many games do you think it's going to be? I definitely don't think it's going to go to seven for for some reason. I think five or six, but I think I'm leaning towards six as well. Mm-hmm. Five would be a little early to finish. You know, I I think six games. Is- I think Tampa's gonna take it in six. And who do you believe is gonna win? Tampa. You think it's Tampa all the way? Yeah, yeah. I think Tampa for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're both basically yeah, yeah, like, both basically saying Tampa. Yeah, exactly. Like it's gonna be a battle between Heiskinen. Heiskinen, who's been absolutely incredible as a as a sophomore uh, defenseman, right? He's, he's a young, I think he's 20, 21 or something like that. He's, he's pretty young, yeah. And I I really like his game, and I had him on fantasy, and he's done really well for me. Such a solid guy who's mm-hmm. going to lead this Dallas Blue Line for years to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then on the side, we have, we have a veteran, you know, experienced, really skilled defenseman named uh, Victor Hedman, who's been absolutely just so good this playoffs. Like, he's scoring so so many so many clutch goals. And, of course, in, on the defensive end, he's a rock. He can hit. He can make a play. He can pass. He can shoot. He can do it all, which is, which is really a dangerous threat. And it's like, you know, Vancouver has Quinn Hughes, but then I think all around, Victor Hedman definitely is, uh, surpasses him for now you know Quinn definitely can grow bigger stronger faster but for now you know Hedman's a guy definitely if you want to win the Stanley Cup he's going to be one of the leaders to 
you know, take that with that charge. So I was really impressed with Hedman. And then Braden Point, uh, you know, not enough can be said about him. He's been so clutch with with game-winning goals and overtime, uh, big points, and his speed. It's always just such a factor. I love guys mm-hmm. with speed. Mm-hmm. Like, smaller guys who are skilled and fast is, is my go-to. Like, I know Bovervet isn't, like, small, but, like, if skilled, fast guys, William Nylander, Nikolai, Nikolai Ehlers, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little off topic there, but yeah, I say Tampa, and it'll be a good battle between Hedman and Heiskanen, Heiskanen, whatever you want to say, and then Sagan and Point for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I think I think in particular we're gonna we're gonna see a very interesting matchup here. It's 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 for it's for the stars. Like I believe they have the book on like extremely skilled teams. Like they've obviously played Vegas. They, you know, I, you know, they like I would say like Calgary was also a very interesting like opponent in the fact that they do have the skill, but there are times that like Calgary's big stars do tend to fade away like during the playoffs. So that is definitely, uh, that was definitely something that was a little bit disappointing for me when I saw that particular series. Like there was times that there was a lot of defensive lapses, and Dallas definitely got their mojo because of the fact that Calgary had said defensive lapses. Um, and then against Colorado, who is another very skilled team. And this is why I thought, like, even if Vancouver made it to the conference finals, that I think they were going to have an extremely difficult time was just because, like, I, what I saw with Colorado, I saw, like, kind of with the Canucks, except Colorado definitely had that little more explosive skill. And Vancouver is more, I kind of, the all-around kind of somewhat more defensive uh, type of mindset. Um and I thought I think like Dallas has definitely competed against a lot of great skilled teams, um, ma- mainly like Colorado and Vegas. And this is why like I kind of have this like this kind of feeling inside me that if there is any team that can quickly reverse any sort of notion that they can't hang out with with the with the big boys, it's Dallas against Tampa Bay for sure because uh, Tampa Bay has definitely done an extremely good job being able to score the good the big goals when it counts and finally be able to make it to you know obviously the final and this is this is without Steven Stamkos this is this is like an interesting oh, yeah. thing like we're like 15 minutes into this podcast we don't even talk about Steven Stamkos and it's because obviously he's injured uh but you know this this indicates Tampa Bay is an extremely deep team like, you know, you got Kucherov, you got Point, Head, um, uh, Palat, you got uh, Johnson, Kalorn, Sorelli. Um, Sorelli's definitely been a little bit more quieter as well as uh, McDonough. But Goudreau and uh, Coleman, se- exceptionally great players that they've traded for. Uh, Pat Maroon definitely brought in a little bit of toughness. Uh yeah, it and and interestingly enough, Luke Shen, like Vancouver name by the way, uh, Luke Shen oh, as yeah. well as Kevin Shattenkirk, definitely been really uh, good people when uh, good people in the back end when they've been able to uh, when to be able to contribute and be on the ice too. So they're definitely um, good rebound players. I remember back when Shattenkirk was bought out. Remember that? Oh so, yeah. Mm-hmm. By by the Rangers. So that's uh, that's also interesting too. 
So yeah, no, Shen, Shen, like even on Vancouver, he he wasn't like you know the most high flying defenseman offensive, but he did his job. Remember, he had those thirteen hits, I think, that one game, and the Canucks fans were going wild. But yeah, he just doesn't look out of place on Tampa Bay's defensive uh, core, which is which is good to see, and I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's in the finals, which is going to be a great experience, and he's got a legitimate shot at winning the winning the cup. So, well, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. So when you when you kind of see these two teams, Dallas and Tampa Bay, like what what kind of like runs through your mind when you see like what a series could look like between these two? Thing is. Dallas is is kind of like Vegas, right? They they're a heavy team that does a good job on the boards, but at the same time, they have offensive firepower with Sagan, Ben, Kiskinen, Pavelski. Oh yeah, we didn't really talk about Joe Pavelski, but he had a disappointing regular season, but he's shown why he can be such a valuable part of a team in the playoffs. He scored some timely goals, does all the dirty work in front of the net. And uh, wins draws, you know he does. He does all the right things, and he's just been such a good locker room veteran presence for Dallas. I think, mm-hmm. which is huge, which we didn't really see a lot in the regular season because, you know, ultimately he really struggled, right? But then again, the great thing, the beauty of playoffs is it's a completely new season almost. Like yeah, everything in a regular season doesn't really count anymore. Like, of course, it counts, but this is where it really matters. And, Pavelski's shown that he can be a valuable contributor. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. And so, by the way, Joe, Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry on the same team. That's pretty interesting, right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that, that is interesting, yeah. Corey Perry's a good, good veteran presence. Uh, I don't know how many goals he scored. Probably not a lot, but... He's been a solid veteran, veteran presence that, you know, has a knack for the net. So that's always a troublesome thing for defense <laughs> and goalkeepers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. A, a part, mm-hmm. a piece, not like, I wouldn't say key piece for sure. And as a Canucks fan, you know, we all hate Corey Perry. We, our, our rivalry, rivalry with them and Luongo and Perry going at it back in the, back in the day, you know, in the early 2000s. But, yeah, he... He's definitely a part of Dallas's success. And, yeah, yeah. So, basically, yeah, they've got star power, and then they got uh, Vegas-like uh, board work and heaviness. Definitely Vegas is a little bit heavier and a little more structured there. And then, But then they give up a little uh, uh, defense. But the, but the thing that's led them to the finals is that their defense has sharpened up, which is very interesting to see. And then we have Tampa, very good possession team, very good board work team, and just an overall good skill, 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 speed team with a heavy defense. Which is, yeah, so I think comparing those two, it's, it's an interesting matchup, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they're definitely, Dallas is the heavier team. Uh, Tampa Bay's got some really, really skilled, bigger, bigger defense too. And then skill, speed, star power-wise, I would say give Tampa Bay the edge there, but it's it's pretty close. You know, you can never, never uh, count out Sagan. 
He's been quiet. He's been a little quiet, and I don't think he'll be quiet in, in the finals. And then we got Ben, mm-hmm. who's starting to really heat up. Pavelski, Heiskanen, Klingberg, who's been looking pretty good. And, of course, Kudobin, who's been a wonderful yeah. story, journey, journeyman goaltender who's playing out, out of his mind right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, really interesting. I think one person we have not mentioned who is actually been a top scorer and in a way has has somewhat escaped. Yeah, Duryanov. Duryanov. Yeah, Duryanov. I I love Mm -hmm. that kid. I was a big snipe. Mm -hmm. What was he like? Eighth pick, like in um, was like a draft like a few years ago. Already, already paying off super well. Hmm. Eighth round? Was okay. it or eight, eight? No, no, no. no, no. What was it? Eight? Eight no, was it twelfth? Was it eighth overall? Twelfth overall? Some it's one of those two, I think. Yeah, he's been a great player. He's got such a such a great shot. Twelfth overall. Twelfth overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and uh, on uh, Tampa Bay side. Um, uh, who is it? No, who's our underrated player? I guess Sorelli. I know he hasn't done much, but then he scored that huge overtime winning goal, right? So, mm-hmm. and then for, for obviously Dennis Urianov scored that power play goal at the very end too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To win, yeah, to win the series, yeah, yeah. To win the series, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that was clutch. That was, that was super clutch. Mm-hmm. And only five games against Vegas. I mean, we definitely think it would have gone a little further for sure, um, but you know, I, don't I, really, I think. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Continue, continue. No, I was going to say, like, you know, obviously you expected it to go further. Obviously, uh, the big name was uh, obviously Joel Kiravana during um, during the uh, that particular playoff season, uh, series. They were able, he was able to score, like, you know, those very, uh, very timely four goals. Uh, you know, a lot of people in Canucks would, you know, think about like a Tyler Mott, like, you know, basically the Dallas stars, Joel, Joel Carvano is basically the Tyler Mott of the series for, um, for uh, Dallas in particular, he was able to score like, uh, and obviously a very uh, uh, unrepeatable rate. It's definitely difficult for Carvano to be able to continue producing this way for sure. But being able to provide that secondary scoring, especially in a very, um, uh, in, in a playoff series, like in general, is absolutely huge because, you know, it's it's very limited time. You definitely have, um, definitely have like, a, a place where, like, when you're playing against teams over and over, you got to have, like, different ways to win the game. And secondary sto- scoring is actually absolutely key for sure. Um, but, you know, uh, that that's the reason why both these teams are here. They both have, like, a copious amounts of um, offensive depth. Um, Radulov hints um, like Yuriana Pavelski has definitely been really good uh, Jan Mark has definitely been really good in terms of defense um, yeah it's 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 gonna it's gonna be I think more of an interesting matchup than some people actually think no I'm I'm excited for this matchup it's gonna be because they're both not super defensive like they got good defense but they're not gonna just hang back which is and which is something you know fans always like, and I particularly like offensive kind of you know transition like the Canucks, you know. So it'll, it'll be a fun series. Uh, it'll display a lot of star power, a lot of you know what the what the top players can you know do 
in those in those games, like you know, Braden Point with his unbelievable skill and Sagan, Radulov, all these guys. So mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. yeah. I would, I would yeah. it's not like an underrated I guess it's an underrated final, but it's not like a lousy final. I think it's far from that. So it'll be it'll be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. But you know, despite the praise that we've been giving to Dallas, like we still think the Lightning. Like, why would you think Lightning has basically, like, in your mind, like the near guarantee that they're probably going to win this um, series? In your mind, I look at the top players. Of course, secondary scoring is very, very important. But I look at the top players, how they perform, and what their hunger level is at. And right now, Braden Point is eyeing. He's he is he is so close to that consummate. Like, and I know it's just gonna that fire is just gonna keep on growing as the finals go on. And if we compare Braden Point to Sagan right now, I think you got to give the edge to Braden Point. Same with, but then the the thing is, it'll be close between Hedman and Heiskanen, Heiskanen, but it's the experience that Hedman has, which I'm gonna give him to. You know, mm-hmm. just so lethal, mm-hmm. so strong on the puck. Like he's Heiskanen is more like Quinn Hughes, right? Like agile, quick, but he's not like super, uh, like incredibly durable or super like, like you know, heavy, heavy hitting of like a brick wall. He he needs to be evasive, right? And I think just I mean, and then Vasilevsky over Bishop. I I think that there's that too. So. Mm-hmm. Just together mm-hmm. as a team and um, the revenge kind of that Tampa wants after last season's sweep, I think it's just going to bring them over the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Like, I'm looking at the stats, like, on NHL, like, stats dot, like, you know, dot com, basically. Uh, you know, you know Nikita Trutroff, obviously number one in uh, scoring. Second, Nathan McKinnon who got knocked out, like, two rounds ago. So that's... Wait, is it that's, points? Is this points? In terms of points, yeah. So Kucherov is 26, Nathan McKinning, 25. In 15 games, nonetheless. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about Kucherov. And he's been a beast, too, so... Mm. I did mention Kucherov myself. I, I think he's like, I think he's, I think he's like out of every single player, like both Tampa Bay and Dallas. He's the most elite player at the moment. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm staking. I'm staking my point on Nikita Kucherov. Oh, I believe fair, he fair. is. I, th- I think he's point. the most elite. Mm-hmm. I, I know because like regularly, regular season or like regularly lately, I would definitely say Kucherov, but like just this playoffs and. The way point has really impacted the game, I have to give the edge to point. But you know, that's that's again opinion, and that's why you know there's that hot, hot topic kind of thing, you know, which which yeah. is which is yeah. good. Different opinions yeah. is definitely yeah a huge like like it's like I can understand why people would say like Braden Point, but I think like Kucherov and like the dynamic skill of Kucherov and. You know, the fact that, like, he has many different ways not only to get into that offensive zone, but also be able to be difficult to stop once he starts the cycle uh, within the offensive zone as well, and also the multiple ways that he can score. I remember there was this, basically, this uh, this viral clip 
of uh, you know of New York Islanders uh, Tampa Bay Lightning series. I think it was the very first game. Even uh, what happened was Kucherov was basically um, back skating into the zone against a New York Islander player. He was able to strip the puck super pretty easily, uh, and then when he transitioned back, he did this really interesting kind of flip pass. I think it was the point as well, and it was like a super like like. It, it was like a really interesting kind of flip pass that he was able to do with his stick, like in a split second that kind of shows like, you know, you want this type of creativity, no matter what team you're on. Um, and, and it's in general, why I believe like Kucherov, like throughout this playoffs, like I think has been one of the, the most, if not the most like uh, dynamic player. And, you know, in general, the best player, like in the particular, um, playoffs but i think point and kutrov definitely been a deadly like combo uh offensive wise definitely oh, yeah. bring yeah. lost lost scoring to the table you know the top line in general is it's going to be a huge worry for the stars as well as the sorelli kaloran johnson line and then you obviously got yanni gore blake coleman on the third line um yeah and goudreau too and uh pat maroon on the fourth Yeah, I can't forget uh, Andre Pellet. You know, he he scored some highly goals too. Like he's he's really impressed me. You know, and he's always not talked about. He's definitely underrated. Does his job in front of the net, and you know, he he really solidifies that trio. Definitely, it's not as skilled or top end. You know, like franchise material or like super dynamic, but he he just he just makes things work. You know. He's an absolute wheelhouse passer for sure. And, you know, with every single, like, dynamic duo, like, point definitely helps with the transitions. But I think Plot does that amazing, like, first uh, first pass, either to point or Kucherov. Or, you know, maybe we'll have to do that back pass over to, you know, the Headman or Sergachev or, Sat- or Shattenkirk, um, you know, defenseman, be able to start, you know, the movement into – the offensive zone of the opponent, whether it's on a power play, whether it's on five on five play, which by the way, five on five, like Tampa is absolutely amazing. Um, And stars are definitely going to have to figure out some ways to uh, limit their chances as much as possible. Like, like I think this, this roster in particular, and this is why I believe lightning will win just right away, even though Dallas has faced off against very offensive teams in the, in, in this playoffs, like there's just way too many offensive, um, offensive players to stop here. Like you're gonna you're gonna be able to limit chance as well. Kadobin's gonna be a machine like he was, um, like in the previous series. I just think this is this is the series where it's just unfortunately just gonna start unraveling. So that's that's kind of where I've seen. That's kind of why I see like Tampa Bay being able to win, even though there's this little part of me that thinks Dallas can definitely pull off an upset for sure, though. That's, no, yeah, that, that's a good analysis. Like, yeah, five on five. I didn't realize Tampa Bay was that deadly, but you're right. Yeah, come to think of it, they just have so many weapons. I think their depth is just a little more than Dallas, you know. I think that's the biggest thing. They just got so many options. Sure, Dallas does too, but it's just Tampa Bay is over overwhelmingly very, very dangerous all throughout the lineup. Definitely. 
I definitely agree with yeah. agree with that statement. All right. So moving away from that topic, now that was a good, a good deep topic. Hmm. Um, I was gonna say season. Uh, just I guess we can we can just quickly talk about it. Uh, I'm just gonna outline what we're gonna talk about from here. So yeah, it's season and playoffs. It was kind of more Canucks, but then you know since they're out, I guess it's appropriate. It's fitting that we talk about the other teams, especially the ones in the finals right now. And free agency. Um, uh, the Vancouver Canucks series against Vegas. Trades. Uh, the draft. We'll touch up on it. And then Tiger and the U.S. Open. So that's that's how we're going to break it down. This might be a, a longer podcast probably because Jason and I are just – we just love to go at it, you know. It's just – time just flies by. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so just quick touch up on the Canucks season and your expectations and how how well, well it went or what surprised you, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, are we kind of just doing like a post-mortem of the Canucks season? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's definitely difficult. Like I would say that Canucks have definitely – uh, are definitely finding themselves in one of the one of the biggest crossroads of the franchise's history. Like, and I'm not saying this to be like you know, like dramatic or anything. Uh, but like you know, the, the fact the fact is, I'm pretty sure Jim Benning and Travis Green, if they if they could get like Vegas to seven before this whole thing even started, like like they basically said, you'll you'll be able to get this team to beat the defending Stanley Cup champs win the win the play in round and you know push a extremely good contender to seven games. I'm pretty sure they would take it because it would be a copious amount of experience for you know for for these young players. Uh and you know I, I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be like like in general like this season's gonna be absolutely amazing in terms of developing you know the drive and also the um and also, like you know, tell these young players like this is this is the this is the type of skill that you'll need, and this is the type of level of play that you're going to need to have if you if you're going to be successful in this league. And you know, young players in general, they're never really going to develop if you never put adversity uh, in their path. If they believe that they can just get away with things, that's when you get teams like Vegas that will like utterly mock the heck out of players. Um, but, uh, but now like, you know, especially with, uh, the off season here, Canucks are going to have a lot of, uh, big decisions that they're going to have to make. Like, like obviously you got Markstrom, what, how are you going to shape up the net? Uh, obviously you got the defense, not only Chris Tana, but how do you strengthen that right side of defense, uh, so that you'll be able to be better suited for, you know, the next time you face a team like Vegas uh, and obviously, you know, you got, you got your forwards as well. Like, you know, you have to make sure that you solidify that right wing position uh, and be able to have more offensive, um, offensive um, um, pieces to basically make sure that the power play just unlike game seven could actually, actually work uh, in, in uh, key points too. So, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of things that the Canucks are going to have to do within this offseason. They definitely have some cap space, but it's definitely not as much cap space as the Canucks may want. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how free agency plays. Are, are players going to take a pay cut just for the sake of security in a post-COVID world? And it, it's very hard for me to say yes, because I still think players are still going to go to where the money is. But there's also players that do want to win. And, you know, Vancouver Canucks have definitely shown that this is a team that not only has, you know, not only has like great talent, you got Pedersen, you got Hughes, that's definitely going to be a big attraction piece for free agents. Like, oh, I can be, I can be the, I can be the piece right next to Quinn Hughes. Like he, he can shape my career if I'm, if I'm right next to him, like for four or five years or with Elias Pedersen, oh, I could be the left wing or the right wing of Pedersen, be his pivot point and be able to, you know, pass some assists or get, get those amazing one-timers from him. I would want to be him. I want to be right next to him and be able to score like 70, 80 plus points. So, you know, like the Canucks, Canucks are definitely on a transitional part of their franchise history in the case that we've, we're done with rebuilding, but now how do you go from kind of rebuilding kind of tweener team to full on contender, like what Vegas, what Boston, what the Tampa Bay lightning and similar like teams, like how are you going to become one of those teams? And this off season is going to in general, um, you know, signal to the fans, this is how we're going to do it. All right. All right. We touched up on free agency there um, mm-hmm. and the off season, which is going to be very interesting. So many questions, um, which is kind of strange from the season that we had, but oh, that's all good. Um, we'll go back to free agency. We're just going to, since you know, you, you said the Canucks season was a major success. A lot of experience for the younger players, which I totally agree with. Absolutely um, priceless experience like even for guys like Horvat who had his second year Pedersen Hughes Besser mm-hmm. they all have amazing amazing experiences amazing games amazing performances yeah I think I Elias Pedersen if he, he was he was definitely MVP for sure he was definitely like if it wasn't Quinn Hughes it was definitely Elias Pedersen who was like the best player one thing I love to love to see was we saw playoff PD in action, which we didn't always see in the uh, regular season. You know, he was being a little more passive, passing pucks when he could shoot. But playoff PD was hungry. You know, you could see it in his eyes. I know, like, a coworker of mine, actually one of my managers, he was, like, telling me, yeah, Pedersen looks like he wants to win. Like, and that's what I wanted to see. It's, it's what we saw in that Columbus game where he scored that beautiful goal out of the box, you know like a rocket, just like kind of shades of Pavel Bure. But we saw it in the playoffs. He wanted to win. He wanted He wanted so much to, you know, for his team to succeed, for his team to win the cup. Same with Horvat. You know, he really was such a pivotal point, uh, especially in the St. Louis series, really set the tone with those two amazing goals. Uh, just mind-blowing. Probably goal of the playoffs. But... <laughs> 
yeah, they, they stepped up. Of course, Game 7 was a different story. But, yeah, that leads us into the series with Vegas. Your thoughts on that? And, yeah, yeah, your thoughts on the Vegas series? It went to seven games. It was intense. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, we, we definitely have to give it up to the Canucks and, and mainly Thatcher Demko for the fact that, you know, we were able to, you know, push Vegas literally to the brink. Uh, and, and, you know, I think, I think the performance over this entire run has been absolutely amazing. Like, you know, I definitely wished definitely performed a little better during that, during the game seven, for sure. It was flat out ugly. Like the game, yeah. game seven was flat out ugly and very hard to watch, uh, honestly. And it, it, it may honestly have been that the Canucks just, just ended up like running out of gas. Like it's, it's, it's tough to say about your favorite team, but you just know when there's a time where you just come to accept the fact that your team just may not win. And, you know, that's kind of what I saw during game seven, uh, to tell you the truth. After I saw the fact that, like, we weren't able to even, you know, have a good power play uh, during that five-minute major on the Reeves hit, I knew from there we were, we were, pro- we were probably done from, the, from there. Like, Vegas is going to find some way to break that Jodemko. And the shade Theodore did. But, um, you know, like... I, I'm definitely proud of the fact that the Canucks definitely uh, pushed Vegas further than they probably thought. Like, you know, Vegas definitely had a lot of chirping to say, like during game one uh, in particular, a lot of people definitely wrote the Canucks off. And, you know, this is a very weird thing too. Like, you know, the team social media accounts definitely did a lot of clowning as well. Uh, oh yeah. I remember, I remember there was this point, like it was game five where, where like basically Jakob Markstrom got pulled, Thatcher Demko came in, and the social media account was like, "In for the Vancouver Canucks, another goalie." That's, and and that was basic, and that was basically it. And you know, Thatcher Demko then ended up going on one of the biggest uh, runs of his own personal career. You know, being mm-hmm. able to literally hand hand the Canucks two wins with like something like a forty plus like saved like performance for both five and six and almost seven like it's 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 already like it's already a thing that you can already tell your kids like you know like you know i was there during during that interesting run with with thatcher demko like we we saw yaka markstrom during the blues but then like there's then there's demko who is absolutely dominant for sure um but it's you know, you know, I, I, I wish we didn't have to, uh, as a team during the series, you know, ha- have to like force ourselves to, you know, collapse a lot and try to limit ch- chances by just having them play on the perimeter. Um, but it's definitely the way that they had to play against a more skilled team. Uh, and you know, Vegas was the better team. I'll, I'll def- I can definitely admit that for sure. Uh, and, you know, now it's up to Jim Benning to give the Canucks the support that they'll need to get to that next level, which will be very uh, interesting to see how he does it. Uh, I hope the Canucks don't uh, go crazy on on the first day of free agency again. Oh, but, yeah. uh, we'll, 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 see what, we'll see what happens. 
I I've kind of become I've kind of just eventually kind of become kind of pessimistic on that, on that kind of um, like viewfront. But well, we we will see. We'll that's we'll fair. see. Like I'll I'll just definitely say that. That's fair. That's that's totally fair to say. Like Benning, if he's doing eighty percent of the things well, eighty five, the fifteen ten percent is definitely free agency, which um. Uh, the, the famous, uh, infamous uh, Louis Erickson 6x6 and the Sutter, Sutter Bridge contract or like the Cornerstone contract, right? The 4.75 when we thought yep. Sutter, Brandon Sutter was a foundational center when we when we had him in, on our second line. So we had those days. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, back to Game 7 and Vegas. Yeah, I definitely believe we pushed Vegas to brink. Game seven was very ugly, hard to watch. But at the same time, I was like, you know, Vegas is, I mean, Demko uh, is really frustrating to uh, Vegas. And that might be in our favor because they're going to get frustrated. They might leave, which they did. Uh, Tyler Martin said it, which I won't But yeah, I was very infuriated with Ryan Reese. I was uncalled for. But that we only had one shot on that five-minute picture was beyond understanding. And I know you say, you know, like, the Canucks ran out of gas, but Vegas had the same thing. They, like, all, it was back-to-back, which was, which didn't really make sense. But then both teams had to deal with it. And sure, Vegas looked like they were more hungry, but what, what gave Vancouver the reason Oh, we're out of gas. Oh, man, they're just a better team. It's game seven. I don't care what team you are. In game seven, like, it's anyone's game. And it was for so long until six minutes left when Theodore scored that long seeing eye shot. Yeah, uh, just overall disappointment um, in game seven. I know a lot of people are like, oh, after game six, uh, I don't think it happens. And I am. So proud of this yeah. run. It's been yeah. a crazy run. Crazy season. Crazy year. 2020 has been anything but ordinary. Um, yeah. How, how, how did you feel like kind of like, you know, watching? Like, where were you? First off, like, where were you watching? Like, you know, game seven. At home. Yeah. Mm, at home? Same here. We're socially distancing. So we are socially distancing everyone. Uh, please socially distance yourself. Please wear a mask, by the way can't stress that enough but um yeah i had a lot of what do you call it like superstitions like uh mm-hmm. every meetup we had three meetups yeah two or three meet- yeah. two or three meetups and all three of those we lost so i was like i'm not gonna risk it for game seven so i didn't do that mm-hmm. i didn't risk watching on tv because every game i watched was on my computer so i'm like i'm not gonna risk that there was a lot of superstition that went into this and i was watching with intense mm-hmm. And watching that Besser incredible save, despite us having only 15 shots. We had some good chances, not going to lie. And Besser <laughs> getting robbed there. I was like, wow, that was – like, I, I was disappointed, yeah, but I was like, got to give props to Leonard there. And mm-hmm. then um, mm-hmm. I think the most heartbreaking one was Toffoli's tip chance. And I know everyone gets slack to uh, Tyler Myers, but – in those last two, three minutes, I thought he looked his best all season long. He was gaining the line with confidence. And then he spread that pass through for Toffoli, who nine out of ten times, I swear, he would score 
it's it's a simple tip for an NHLer. I'm saying, and for caliber a caliber of Tyler Toffoli, who's who's known for you know dirty areas, getting those tip ins. For him to miss that was it was one nothing. It goes one one. Who knows what happened? Of course, the ifs and buts. But I think that chance was just. It was so open. There's no one surrounding him. And of course, there was a tip, and it just went wide, which is, oh man, no words to explain. And then Besser hitting the post was kind of just like, oh, there you go, Vancouver, that's your luck. But yeah, Demko did everything he could. You, you could see on the bench, he was like, I, I did everything I could. That's, that's basically what his body language is saying. And mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, was like, like, was, yeah. Like you, 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 you have to admit, if you were like a Canuck, you're definitely giving Demko props. Like you know, it, it, he did all he could for sure. Like allowing one goal definitely is not like the end of the world for how Demko was able to perform during that series, right? No, no, I don't think any Canuck fan blamed Demko. Like even the goal he allowed, it was like he was lucky. It was a seeing eye shot. I was like, I thought it, I thought it would get blocked, but right when I saw ever like Vegas starting to celebrate, I was like, oh my god, this is not good. But yeah, them quoted everything he could, and then with like two minutes left, it was one nothing, and I think Nate Schmidt was in front of that, and he robbed him there, and I was like, them do giving every single chance for Vancouver to come back, here. and we had a chance, we had a couple chances, and we just didn't take it, and you know, mm-hmm. that's the story, but. I know you said uh, Demko stole game five and six, which I do agree because, you know, game six, he did have a shutout, incredible shutout. But I think game six, Vancouver executed their game plan close to perfection because although the shots were like double, I think it was like 20-something or like 30-something to 50 or something, the game itself, if you watch the full game, I thought Vancouver had their chances and I thought Vancouver kept Vegas to the outside really well. I thought we were capitalizing. Yeah, yeah. And, right. I, and, I, and then I was watching that game too. But, like, you have to admit, like, especially for that first and part of that second period, like, Vancouver bare, like, rarely had shots in general. Okay, like, that's, that was the That was the thing yeah. that honestly, like, that honestly, like, really, like, frightened me for, for that match. And, you know, I was watching it, you know. I was watching it with the front, oh, yeah. like, you know, oh, yeah. and we were – and, and and we we were we were having we were having like a great time during the third period when the Canucks were basically opening the floodgates of scoring. I thought Vancouver finally, you know, decide to have like you know their offense show up for sure. But you know, are are like you know is is the Canucks going to be like that team or are they just going to be you know a flash in the pan? And that's definitely the kind of thing that you're go- you're going to have to like wonder to yourself. What's what's going to be the takeaway of you know the team throughout throughout the throughout the after the series for sure? Oh yeah, no, no, uh, yeah, I, I did remember the second period was hard to watch. We barely had any mm-hmm. shots, but like the first and third, for sure. I think we played a really solid 50, 50 minute game. Like maybe not the whole sixty, but even the sixty, even the second period, I thought we grind. I think okay. I don't know about the other games and the other series, and I didn't, like, really focus on them, like, in-depth, of course, as much as the Canucks series. But I thought it was the most grueling, the most intense series, because, like, 
the way the Canucks, uh, of course, Vegas too, but especially the Canucks blocking shots. Tyler Mott just like reaching a leg out, just not afraid to get his any part of his body on the line. It was I thought it was like war. It was like you know I'm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This wasn't just like a hockey a hockey game a, a playoff series. It's like I, the team was so together. It's like I'm bought in. Every player was bought in, and it's like yeah, we might lack a bit of skill and a bit of you know possession but we're gonna stick together and we're gonna get through this and i thought that was the most impressive thing about this canucks team which i haven't seen even like in 2015 you know i don't think we were blocking shots like this we were turning the puck over a lot miller had to make a lot of saves lack had to make a lot of saves and stuff but this team of course demko faced a lot a lot of shots but in game two i think it was they blocked 40 shots which is Mm -hmm. Incredible. So I think the hand for hand, player for player, how together this team was, was something I was really proud of. And I was like, yes, this team wants to win. They will do anything to, you know, yeah. give their give their team a chance, do everything to allow Demko to have a bit of an easier night, you know. So I thought especially mm-hmm. game yeah, game yeah. two, game six. In game seven, too, like, you know, we were, like, blocking shots. It was, it was impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there were times that Vegas, like, you know, kind of skated the puck hard to the net for sure. And oh, yeah. Demko made those, like, big highlight reel type of saves. Oh, yeah, no, they, Demko made a, a couple of beauties, oh, for sure. Like, the one in game seven, I think, where he dove off the post, like, hit the post, and he dove just to, like, get the puck away. That was impressive. Mm-hmm. He, and his positioning, like, you know, like, I always thought Demko was, like, a super an amazing goaltender with amazing reflexes who can really move in the net. But I thought he, like, I thought he moved a little too much. Sometimes he looked a little out of position. So I was like, okay, that's going to come into a factor, maybe especially in the playoffs, you know. And mm-hmm. he's going to be a little bit inconsistent. But that was the furthest thing against Vegas. And it was so impressive to watch Demko perform under pressure. He was just so mm-hmm. in the zone, and it just makes it a harder decision with between him and Markstrom, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's like, my take. Like, yeah, Demko, Demko is taking around twice as much shots as like Canucks were like you know dishing out like in 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 the series. Like Demko, like made so many so many of like Vancouver's chances able to happen, even in Game Six, I think. It's, it's it's hard for me to like not be pessimistic when I like, when I when I like kind of step back and like look at the performances. It was definitely difficult to um, watch Vancouver have like a lot of time where they couldn't create a lot of momentum uh, in general. Like even even like getting the puck to the Vegas zone was pretty rare. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, but it's just that in game six, I thought we were taking those chances. Of course, like, you know, we didn't have as much as the puck as Vegas did, but I thought when Vegas turned the puck over, we were there. Like, like it's something I said it was a key to Vancouver's success, transition and turnovers, and we did exactly that. We took advantage on the power play, and, um, yeah, we took our chances. We had possession – in the offensive zone, in the defensive zone, I just thought we did a really good job 
yeah, Vegas had 50 shots, but I think out of those 50, like 35 and maybe more were low quality, mid, mid danger level. It's something I talk with Morris and also with you and just a bunch of other Canucks fans and our group here. But like, I didn't think they had a ton of high dangerous chances that Demko had to face in game six. And I think mm-hmm. that's why, yeah. like, well, yeah. yeah. Like, not only the higher danger chances, but also the lack of shots, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, you know, you can definitely say Vancouver got completely outplayed in game six, too. It's just my my, my thoughts and the game plan no, I was thinking. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. Like not not as much as game six. Game game six definitely it was a little refi- a little more refined for sure. But you know it it's um I don't I don't know. Like it 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 it, it like for every game six there was like the game seven like kind of on repeat throughout most of the series. Like I I was even surprised that we were getting to seven, but like you know I I think maybe I'm just looking at this too pessimistically. Like maybe maybe I should just you know like I should find like a lot of light in the fact that the Canucks were able to still be extremely resilient during a seven game series against Vegas. Like in particular, like you know I I guess my more my pessimism would be more like more like evident if we had like a four or five game like series but we got it to seven even even with the back of Demco like we were able to still kind of all like kind of hold ourselves yeah no 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 I no I your points are correct and and I like not just correct but like it's valid it's it makes sense it's just I think you're you have more of a pessimism side more neutral I have a more of an optimism I think that's why there, there will be that nice balance in the middle. And then we're just kind of like on the polar opposites, you know? And I think that's why it's like both of them, both of us are not like completely neutral. But then like you look at a little more realistic, realistic. I look at a little more pos- positive, optimistic. So I think there, there's that, you know? I think that's the difference. Like I'm, I'm trying more to be a little more neutral, but like, yeah, game six, watching... I was impressed. Like I think, like and and in, at the end of the day, they won the game, and at the end of the day, they lost the series. And yes, they were outplayed. But I think there there's at times that they they ex- executed a game plan pretty much to plan, and it worked out. And then game seven, I okay. Let me tell tell you, if Vancouver played game seven, basically like they played in game six. I think they win this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my hot take. Yeah. But the disappointing thing was it wasn't close to what they did in game six. They could enter the zone. They couldn't shoot. Every shot was blocked or a great chance was denied by Leonard. And they just didn't generate enough. 15 shots in a game seven is just unacceptable. But yeah, you know, hell of a mm-hmm. run. Um, we pushed Vegas to bring, and I think another thing, I think v- Dallas had an easier time with Vegas because Vancouver exhausted them. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a huge point. And they, they really just yeah. rattled them. It's like, oh man, we can't score on like this Kudobin guy too, another backup. It's like, oh my God, it's a curse now. You know, it's kind of like, 
I think that was, that definitely played a factor. And that's why Dallas Dallas were able to take advantage of that. And Vegas choked. You know, Vegas like had the chance to extend the series and then because they had a two nothing lead. They gave it up and then they lost in overtime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. 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 And I guess like kind of to conclude like this kind of whole discussion, because I think I think we I think we've kind of gotten like the message in general. Like, you know, Canucks definitely definitely wasn't the best best team in the series, but they were still able to, you know, make Vegas, you know, you know, at least have second thoughts on thinking like this was gonna be a breeze for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Canucks have definitely definitely come into the you know the first playoffs in like what since like 2015 like this was a five-year period where like we basically weren't able to make the playoffs we were continu- continuously rebuilding and we finally we finally found fruit like we finally found fruit in the fact that we were able to get to the second round and we were able to survive three intensive rounds of uh, playoff hockey you know would would things have been different if there was a crowd and we were like traveling from Vancouver to Vegas and playing in front of the Vegas crowd and then like Vancouver players playing in front of the Vancouver crowd. Like who who knows? Who knows honestly? Who knows? Exactly. And who and who yeah. knows if it would have an effect on the Blues series too. So yeah. Like you know, it, like, not, like all, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, what were you gonna say, Justin? All in all, you know, it could have helped Vancouver that, like, you know, they, they play without a crowd. I, maybe there's a little less pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, you mm-hmm. know, because they were the underdogs in both the Blues and Vegas series. So it's like, you know, there's no crowd. We just build off our own en- energy momentum. It might have helped them. Who knows? But we never know. It's FM bots. and Who knows? Uh, it's, Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, you know, this team has definitely grown. His team has definitely yeah. become, you know, definitely, definitely can, depending on how, how, what they do, like, you know, after this playoff, like, like, are, are they, are they cup contenders or are they still tweener, are still a tweener team? And, you know, we'll, we'll be able to learn the answer to this in the next two, three years or so, mm-hmm. um, you know, how, how the Canucks are able to progress, you know, it, are, are they, are they ready to like finally become a cup contender you know this 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 year in general this playoffs definitely can be the catalyst because it finally tells the young players all right you've been in 3 4 seasons for Pedersen it's 2 for Hughes it's 1 for Horvat it's what 4 5 or so mm-hmm. besides that one playoff series he was able to play like this is the level that you'll have to play if you want to be successful in this league can you do it yes or no and and I know, I'm I'm very excited to see how the Canucks are gonna be able to take this whole playoff experience and you know what what's next for them too. It's exciting. It is. It is. But yeah, at the same time, looking at it more realistic, neutral perspective, was was it gonna last if Vancouver continued to play like they did in Vegas, always chasing the chasing the game, playing the defensive end? Probably not. Probably not. It was it was not a recipe for success. And uh, I always said, you know, Vancouver people are like, oh, Vancouver's defense. They always allow. I'm like, yeah, Vancouver's goaltending is very power, like very like it's one of their biggest strong points, which is a definitely a positive. But at the same time, that's not 
a recipe for success in the long run. Because, you know, like, you want to attack more than you defend. And the yeah, more you defend, is there is there is there like a is there like a right way to win the Stanley Cup? Like you know, as as long as you get to like round through round by round, you don't necessarily care how you do it. Like you just want to make sure that you continuously beat the teams and you continue moving on. Like I get it, you want strategies that are more sustainable. It's just you know, like if if I if I could have the performance of game six over and over, even though Canucks were continuously dominated in that game, I'd still want it, you know. No, yeah, no, that's that's the other part of my brain that's saying. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how you win. It just, just matters. Just win, win, just just win the game. That's and that's all my, that matters. My hot take, another hot take, and I think a lot of Canucks fans agree with me as well. If Vancouver, mm-hmm. it was basically whoever won Vancouver Vegas series, I thought it was gonna win the cup. Had a good chance. Mm-hmm. I think if Vancouver beat Vegas, Vegas, I think they had a good shot at win. I th- I think they would have won. Because mm-hmm. I think Vegas was the toughest opponent out of even like Tampa Bay coming up or or uh, Dallas. So I think that would have mm-hmm. been a huge boost. But just things didn't work out. They, they, just, they, were, they just came up just short, right? And that's playoff hockey. It's a game of inches. And that's the exciting part, you know? It's like if everyone tries to play strategic, you know, got to play offensive, you know, like not try not to defend in your own end. It just doesn't happen, you know. Playoffs is that's why the NHL playoffs is so exciting. There's so many surprises, twists and turns. And Vancouver had a way to, you know, win games. You know, in game one against Minnesota, we lost three nothing. Everyone's like, oh, Vancouver's gonna choke. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? They won the next three. St. Louis, they lost two after winning the two. They're like, oh, it's over. They're gonna choke again. Nope. They found a way to win game five and then destroyed Bennington in game six. Same thing games uh, in Vegas, you know, first game, it was men against boys. It was tough to watch. I, actually, I didn't even watch that game. I was I was golfing. And then when I came back and I saw the absolute, this, uh, oh, oh, yeah, this morning game, I was like, holy crap, we're going to have to rebound. But I think the turning point, I think Vancouver not winning as easily as they could have possibly was game three or game four. I forgot which one was. When they had that 3-2 lead. And they gave up three goals. I think that was a huge, huge turning point. And somehow we were able to tie it up after going down 3-1. But I thought that was a huge blow to the team. Giving up a 3-2 lead just in the instant. I thought winning that game would have been so good for our confidence going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also blame myself for not watching the game. But <laughs> yeah, no, I had that superstition. Like you, you people, you can say you, whatever you, you, you want. have these superstitions, I right? Do, yeah, I do, yeah. and it's. It, I just feel like the team just feels more in control when I'm when I'm watching. It, you can call me crazy, but these are things I have, and I I believe in, and like no one's gonna ever change that. But yeah, the really disappointing yeah, yeah, loss. Yeah. Markstrom was not the greatest. He letting a couple goals that you know he would have definitely wanted to have back. I remember. Uh, in the post post conference, like the guys are like, one guy was like, "Hey, Marky, you know, like, uh, how many of those goals do you think uh, you could have stopped?" And the Marky just looked. It was like, I think I could have about five goals. 
which basically means he should have stopped home, which I thought was a really savage freaking boss move by him. Uh, it made me, like, had a smirk, even though we lost the game. But, yeah, I thought that was a huge turning point game. And Vancouver's style, it could have definitely won the cup. Did they? No. Could it in the future? Who knows? I think that's a good way to wrap up the Vegas. And I think that was a good way to... And uh, you know, kind of have our little debate there too, which was which was good. I knew this was going to be a longer mm-hmm. one, and we still have a lot left. If if you're if you're down, and but we'll, we'll we'll try to go quickly. But if these were the major topics, I was going to go a lot really long, and then we could we have like short. But right before we continue, we're gonna have a little ad, you know, an ad about Spotify. It's not sponsored, but you know. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a sponsor in the future, but I've been <laughs> tweeting, tweaking about you know, one one day um, we'll get paid for one this. One day, and I will pay you too. You you you've been a huge help, and you just you make this a lot more professional. And something uh, like I, you know, I, I this in the future. I think we would make a great tag team commentator. I don't know. I think we definitely need more experience, especially I do. But I think that would be a fun, fun uh, duo, you know, like partner partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, like, uh, one day, one day we'll have like the studio, like I don't know, yeah, exactly. CBC, like yeah, actually, like or sports, Sportsnet or TSN stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then we can we can Just, get rid of all those annoying annoying uh, CBC guys and. Uh, and we can talk to Juice, mm-hmm. you know, it'll, it'll be good. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, a dream of mine or like kind of an imagination. But yeah, we'll be right back after this quick message. Just not the score, though. <laughs> yeah. And we're back. Hope you guys listen. <sighs> Hope you guys enjoy oh yeah not not just spotify but it was anchor the app anchor everything it has to offer it's it's a great starting podcast tool program and i think jason would agree too i know jason has done a bit of research as well like like having a little fun on the website looking at all these tools and the stuff you can do so yeah 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 i mean i had a few difficulties at first but i mean yeah, the 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 fact is they def, definitely kept it simple. So exactly. it, it was it was good to like you know look, look a little bit more into it and have like ways to like add sound effects and be able to even have a copious amount of like selection of songs as well. So oh yeah, I've we'll added be able to open it up. Outros, if you noticed, Jason. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I did. I did. Again, like Jason said, it is simple. And as we grow, as I grow, as we all grow in podcasting thing, we might definitely change platforms into a more advanced tool. But for now, I think Anchor gets the job done, and I think it still has a little, a little bit more to offer. And the thing, and the fact that they uh, stream it and you know have has exposure to like six different things, I believe, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the things I mentioned, and they add. That's a great thing. It's a great startup. Anyway, um, we're gonna quickly talk about yeah, free agency. 
Uh, this is a big topic I want to talk about, but hopefully we'll keep it shorter. You know, I, I know I don't want to keep Jason this long. I know we both enjoyed this, but we still have stuff to do. But we we got we got to sleep eventually. You know? <laughs> it is the weekend, which is nice. But yeah, definitely we'll we'll, we'll try to you know go as short as we can. Mm-hmm. But free agency. Mm-hmm. I guess I just want to ask you, Jason, who do you think we should sign, and who do you think we should, and maybe like right. name free agents that maybe we should or can actually go after. Sure, sure. So first off, are we going to talk about who the Canucks currently have? Is that what you uh, wanted to do? Or? I'll just quickly mention, you know, we got Markstrom to sign. We got Chris Stetcher, Tanev, Tyler Toffoli, Jake Vertanen. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a deal with Josh Levo. And then we have uh, Adam Gaudet. Adam Gaudet. Yeah. Now, so first off, Adam Gaudet. We can hold. We can definitely hold off on Adam Gaudet. Like in the in the case that like we der- we currently have his rights and he can't sign with any particular team, it's definitely not the best situation for him. But it's definitely one that we'll be able to um, hold off in terms of conversations for longer. So Adam Gaudet, we'll we'll wait and see. Probably going to be a bridge deal at best. Oh yeah, what do you what do you think about Gaudet's performance in the playoffs? Because he didn't really contribute much on the score sheet, right? What, what did you think of his play? Like, his defensive play, was it better? Did it kind of make up for him not scoring as much? Or you thought it was just a really disappointing playoffs for him? Um, I think, you know, the regular season was definitely really great. Like, you know, Canucks definitely could have used Adam Gaudet's bottom six offensive health in the postseason, but he didn't even score a point. Uh, he was he, – he was – he was very controlled, the like you know when when he was ever offensive, and you know his de- defensive game also needs some improvement as well. Uh, he he was very he he was very efficient during the regular season for sure. I mean 30, 33 points in a sophomore season for Adam Gaudet, absolutely amazing. Like you know I wish I wish we had that Adam Gaudet in the playoffs. We just weren't able to have that kind of like you know top caliber third line center. And that's why we kind of had to, uh, you know, give that over to Brandon Sutter. Um, so, yeah, I, I, not much to say. Bridge deal. And I have low expectations just so that I can be happily surprised if he breaks them. Mm. What would you rate out of 10 his performance? Uh, whole season as a, a season as a whole, seven. Playoffs alone, four. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's, you know, he's such a scoring threat, and I think his biggest attribute is definitely shooting, but also zone entry on the power play. I don't know if you noticed, but I thought every time Godet was the one entering the zone on the second unit, he was entering clean, and he, he created a play right away. When Vertanen he usually doesn't, but when Myers or Pearson does it, it it's very shaky. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you're like, oh gosh, he's gonna give up the puck, or he's he's just gonna dump it in, and we're gonna lose possession. But got it. He knows he makes a play. He makes a quick, makes a quick pass, or makes a quick move, so gains his own. I thought that's something that he did extremely well. I think that's something we give praise. Five on five play. I thought I thought he got pretty dominated. I always thought got it was a little fragile as a third line center, mm-hmm. like not yeah. like a very solid kind of sturdy option. Steady, sturdy, or 
uh, and he just can't win enough faceoffs, right? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Four, so four, that's four, that's four, at, five, that's right? that's Adam got it kind of like yeah. you know, out off the table. Like you know, okay. we just gotta hope he'd be able to develop over time. Okay, and then next. Uh, um, Josh, Josh Levo. Um, let me think. I mean, like I said, secondary scoring definitely would help. Oh, definitely yeah. have him on a cheap one year one year deal as well. Uh, he 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 ha- he has to recover well from his knee injury, or otherwise he's just he's just not gonna he's just not gonna skate well again. Um, he would have been a good possession drive possession uh possession driver against Vegas. Oh yeah, you know, like um, I I, really- I I I I I would have had Josh Levo like full health against Antoine Roussel, like you know, oh yeah, for sure. Not not a but, yeah, not not a not a chance. I say otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Like there was one point where he had him like at a conversation of possibly even being in the top six back when the regular season was going on. But he has, um, he has chemistry with Pedersen too, right? So which is which is which is good. Pedersen, Besser, and uh, Horvat too. Yeah. You know, even 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 Horvat as well. You know, Besser. Yeah, Besser for sure. Yeah. You know, would have loved JT. to see Levo with uh, Pearson, with not Pearson, uh, Tafoli. You know, but oh uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> cheap one year deal, like like Godet, like you know, cheap either cheap one year deal or bridge to, but Levo definitely one year, and because he's turning twenty seven, who knows if his skating speed comes back. You know, the funny thing is, it was against Vegas too. The game I wa- went to watch that dirty hit by Nick. Nick Holden, and we thought mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. you know it's like he's gonna be back. Actually, yeah. I didn't think it was gonna be back relatively soon, but to be out still, like if they All still right. play, so he would be back. I guess next so. one, uh, guess we'll do. We'll, well, let's do a few. Let's do a few at a time. Like uh, Tyler Mott, Jake Bertanen, I think yeah, Ty- Tyler Mott. Oh and yeah, Jake yeah, Mott. Oh yeah, Mott. Yeah, he's up for a contract. Yeah, yeah. I just think, uh, yeah, I prefer it on him, but I think we'll definitely sign him. Not, not a, mm-hmm. not a question there. But yeah, yeah. But like, what, what do you think? Like, like, I guess including playoffs and regular season, is Tyler Mott someone that you want to, to sign? I, I definitely say yes for signing. At max a mil, I, I thought if we just keep him for like nine twenty five, nine fifty k. I think he would take it any day. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, I think, he, I could, I think I he's going to try to leverage one point two five. Yeah, I, I think I, that's what, what I, I think. See. I think that's fair. I think that's fair for sure. Like, I thought he was like, such a hard and solid. Is he a possession driver? Definitely not. And we saw it when he tried to play when we were trying to mixing up lines, and he played a bit in the top six, a bit in the top nine, a bit. But like, he can't drive possession. He can't really hold the puck up. But is he a great hard and soul guy who? Works his butt off really fast. Amazing penalty killer. Gives up his body. Yes. Is he a guy that can win in the playoffs? Yes. So I say yes. Mm-hmm. We we signed Tyler Mott. For me, eleventh to thirteen forward. I mean, who who knows if he goes past that? But you pay him like an eleven thirteen forward. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking speaking of forwards that could be better on possession. Oh, uh, in a way, Bertan is a little better, like definitely better when it comes to uh, expected goals. 
Um, oh yeah, Vertanen. Yeah. Sheltered minutes. He score. He scores. He scores at a rate that is way too um, unsustainable for me to honestly want to sign him. And I really wish we could sell Vertanen at a high. We can't. We can't. We can't. A because of market and comments. B because playoffs just was not there for him. Like, like, like now we're starting to see a trend. Vertanen and Godet, players that did really well in the regular season, but did horrible in the playoffs. Godet, Vertanen, exactly the same. Would want to do a bridge deal, and that's if I honestly did want to keep him. I would honestly want to trade Vertanen. Just for the sole fact that we would have a little bit more cap space, especially going into COVID, COVID hockey, cap space is going to be very important. You know why? Because this is a very underrated aspect. Like, do you know why? Do you know why, Justin? Let me just ask. Cap space is is it because it's a a flat salary, flat salary cap? Is that why? Partly that, yes. But there's a there's another very important aspect as well. For ownerships groups. Oh, and that is revenue. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, you're right. For small market teams, how are you going to pay your players if you're not even going to get anyone in the door? And the thing is, small market doesn't even matter because if this continues to happen, there's almost going to be no market, whether you like it or not, right? Yeah. There'll still be TV revenue and, you know, your advertisements. But the Canucks are not a small market team, right? I, I think they're relatively pretty pretty big. Oh, no, no, no. They're, they're a big market. Aquilini yeah, yeah. will pay to the cap, oh, yeah. for sure. But the point, the point is, you just don't know. Mm. And what happens if you're paying players for either doing nothing or they're basically being paid and they're extremely underperforming, but you're paying them COVID economy, like salary, like, like dollars are extremely important in this economy. And do I want to pay it for someone that is unsustainable? And even though he has the size and speed to be a good contributor has just not shown it after five, six plus years. Personally, I, I would just want to trade Vertanen so that we could get picks for this upcoming draft because obviously we've, lo- we've lost our first and second in the trades. First, for good reason. Second, for good reason. But we still don't have picks. Mm-hmm. Benning likes picks. He's a drafter at heart. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's going he's gonna to want to get picks. I, I have a feeling he's just going to make make a trade that signals to ownership that we're going to make another move and it's going to be a bold move. And it's, and, and, and I think Vertanen could be. I, I could see Vertanen being chopped. I, I could see Vertanen being chopped, which, which breaks my heart. You know, VJ Vertanen is definitely like my third favorite player. Um, <laughs> if he can get the first and second, that would, that would be a bonus, but. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, you know? I'm going to assume right off the bat that number one is Quinn Hughes. Incorrect. He is number two. Oh, he is second. Okay, interesting, interesting. Well, let me ask this. First player, 
Is he even on the Vancouver Canucks? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Hmm. I'm going to say Brock Besser. Oh. Because I have his jersey? Good guess, but no. Yes, that's why. I was going to – that's why I guess Brock Besser. But um, is it Pedersen then? No. That is a surprise. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, there's something about Pedersen that makes him not my favorite. It's just maybe his play style. I don't know. Something about it, yeah. But I love Pedersen. He's he's so dynamic. I I love Pedersen. He is dynamic, but something about him is not, like, stands out to me as, oh, he's going to be my favorite player. I don't know. Something about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But it's not Pedersen. Yeah. 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 Okay. Not a basic. (laughs) You're you're, you're not a basic fan, basically. That's it. Okay. I thought I thought it was Quinn Hughes because that's that's your nickname in our group. So, it is no no I love Quinn yeah. Hughes. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Huggy Bear. That's why I thought it was either Quinn Hughes or Brock Besser, and it's neither. Neither. Mm. Mm. It's someone underappreciated in our organization, which is shocking. Mm. Or not in our organization, mm. but the league. Uh, I don't know Manny Malhotra. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay, I'll just give it to you because you know, for time's sake and stuff, it's it's yeah, Bo, sure, sure, Bo, sure. Bo, Bowie William Horvat. Oh, Bowie William Horvat. Yeah. All right, the captain. The captain, cap. The heart and soul, baby. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Anyway, and we have him five, and we have him five point five the next three years. That it's is an amazing. amazing deal. That is an amazing mm-hmm. deal. That's one of the best deals that Benning's ever made. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So you think. We keep to fully. We give away for ten, which actually is a very popular opinion right now. Yeah, like my main priorities would be signing Markstrom, and also, like, it's very difficult for me to say because I also do want to get rid of Vertanen, but I also think my second priority, like, yeah, I, I guess I'm gonna have to say my second priority, honestly, is Tyler Toffoli. And, like, Chris Tanev, like, I really think, like, I love Chris Tanev. I love his defensive style of play. But, you know, you're, you're going to have defensemen that want to really play here just because of Quinn Hughes. Uh, and, you know, I, I, f- I, figure, I figure if they're able to get big fish names like Tyler Myers, which, you know, love, you, love him or hate him, he was a big ticket item back in, back in the – you know, obviously, last year. No, I'm, 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 I'm no, still I, happy we have Myers. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's definitely other players out there that definitely can do that same thing. You know, like, um, you know, we're talking about Tampa Bay, for example. Uh, Eric uh, Chernick was actually a very interesting uh, name that kind of came up from a friend of mine, uh, and then I researched him afterwards, found that his underlying numbers are better than Chris Tanev. So. Wow. You know, that's definitely one name that um, Tampa Bay is just not going to be able to pay because they have little cap space. And, Col- Colton Perico, you know, some, someone else that's been floating around. Mm-hmm. Colton Perico? Yep, yeah. Definitely. Col- Colton Perico is definitely one particular, um, one particular one as well, just because St. Louis has had trouble signing their defensemen. But I think because they're not signing – Petrangelo, they're gonna sign Pareko. Mm. So I'm oh, personally taking. Oh yeah, Petrangelo. He might be a big fish for sure. He will be a big fish. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
But if 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 St. Louis can sign him at seven point seven, Canucks are not going to sign him like eight point five. No, no, we I don't just want don't, another. I don't, I don't, I don't see no. how they're doing it. I, I don't want no. that either. No. But that's but like the point is, Justin. That's that's what you're going to have to pay for something like a Petrangelo in free agency. Like that's that just that's that just the, that's just the truth. That's just unfortunately the truth that's going to have to be the case. Like if you think Tyler Myers six million was a lot for five years, wait before wait until you see Petrangelo. And it, it's kind it's kind of like like you know. Um, it's kind of like, you know, how, you know, big ticket items, they're always going to go at a premium, even for John Tavares going to a hometown team. He's still being paid $12 million, you know. And that was know. a hometown discount. That that might have been a hometown discount. The thing yeah. is, I don't even know if he did get a hometown discount. Yeah, but, it doesn't, it seems like so much, right? So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah Tavares, um... Marner, yeah. No, yeah, even even the Myers people are like, oh, it's it's a bad contract, but it's like that's what you have to pay. It's a premium. You have to pay that much for like a steady right-handed defenseman, right? Like mm-hmm. I think if we did it all over all over again, I think we would do the same thing. Six million, oh, wait, no, never. It's actually wait. not that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. he's he's not a great defenseman, and that's why a lot of people don't like the contract. I can understand yeah. it, and you yeah, know, if if we could get. T- Tyler Myers down to like the bottom two pairs and just keep him here, keep them there. Like that's fine. But like, you know, you, you want better top pair defensemen. That's true. Chris Tanev is, Chris Tanev is not going to be it, but he can be a really good third or fourth defenseman for sure. But not a top pair defenseman anymore. You want, you want a good pivot for Quinn Hughes. You just don't know who it's going to be. Oh, I think I think uh, Tanev, I think Tanev and Hughes is it's it's worked. It's it's been so good, like like advanced numbers wise. And I don't know. Um, sure, having someone else with Quinn Hughes might be better, but I think Chris Tanev just makes Quinn Hughes be able to do the things he does. And yeah, no, maybe if you get some someone like, for example, I don't know, who's a good, who's a good solid, really, like say like a Victor Hedman. Not gonna happen, but like if Victor Hedman played with Quinn Hughes, I think. Well, actually, no, okay. he's not. Not, not, player, not, so. not Victor Hedman. Let's at least no, be no, no. somewhat realistic okay, here. Fine, fine, um, okay. like you could, you could even. Aaron Ekblad. Aaron No, 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 but that doesn't have too much offense. They're willing to stay back for Quinn Hughes to kind of show his offensive prowess. Um. Connor Mur- Murphy, Matt Dumba. Uh, that's just who I think. Sure. Actually, yeah, let's say Matt uh, Dumba. Sure. Yeah. I mean, everyone's talked about Matt Dumba now. There's not a chance we're trading Besser for him, but... I, I don't think the Wild will want him either. Like, I think everyone keeps thinking, like, we'll trade Brock Besser and we'll solve our problems. Uh, it's... I think I think people very underestimately... Uh, forget that we we don't have depth on the right wing so that's true but yeah no like i honestly i think minnesota she would take it they need all the offensive help they have they need they that they can get and also their defense is so so you know uh so good so yeah sure maybe they can put, pick up another defenseman but if they can get brock besser 
with Fiala or something, I think they would definitely take it. I think it's a Vancouver side to lose in this this trade. That's why Vancouver wouldn't make this trade, and they should. Yeah, yeah, and and the Wild are looking for a center, so because they don't know what's going on with Mika Koivu, they just traded Eric Stahl. They think they somehow got Marcus. What was it Marcus Johansson? Oh, Marcus yeah. Johansson as like some center for their team. I don't get it. I, I think you just keep Eric Stahl, but. You know they they want they want to signal things are changing. I think it's a really weird move, but the yeah, main thing is that you're saving you're you're saving money with Marcus Johansson. Maybe that's what they were doing, but yeah. you know, yeah. I I don't see Brock Besser as like an extremely attractive piece for Minnesota. Like I think sometimes Vancouver fans forget that there are 31 other teams in this league, like minus Minnesota you know, 30 teams. And the reason why I'm, I'm saying like 31 teams, I, I guess like, you know, like Seattle, even though they're not technically a team yet, they're still, they're still like going to be ha- going to have an extremely high amount of influence for this season. Cause you're going to have to both play a season in COVID times and also prepare for an expansion draft. You thought Vegas expansion draft was hurting your team. Wait until you have Seattle. Oh you man, know. that's so. That's the reason why we're having such a debate with our two goaltenders right now. So, I mean, I don't even know why people are having a debate. Just bring two goalies in, and 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 and, and ride both of them. You know, I, and then, and and then if, you're, lose, if you're lose one, lose one just for just for free. No, I, I'm not saying lose one for free, but the point is, like, you want your team to continue progressing. You can't be scared of a draft. You have to. You have to continuously progress, and you know that's, that's what Pittsburgh ended up doing. And, you know they have Tristan Jari now, but like my my point my point is I think, like I can get it. Like you're scared of losing a piece, but you know don't don't undersell yourself or don't like, don't think like you have to like asset manage yourself out of a good playoff run just because you you're kind of scared of you know of of losing one of these pieces and that's that's honestly a hot take i think but like no i i, 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 I would point. yeah I, I i would keep both of them like i would keep both of them make sure you have two good goalies like you saw what two good goalies could could do with in the vegas series we almost went to the conference final if we continue had continuously had Markstrom, like imagine if Demko wasn't there, we would have had Louis Demink. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah, like and he may he makes he makes good bake he he makes good muffins, but like you know he doesn't he he, <laughs> he, he, he can't he can't he couldn't have done what Demko did. So <laughs> he makes good so, muffins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you saw those videos, right? You saw oh those yeah, videos Wait, he, he was a great right? he's a great cook for the team. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, good glue guy. Keep keep him here. Keep him here. I like I like him. You know, make <laughs> sure he's a good piece for Michael DiPietro. Which, by the way, I was just about to say, the reason why you shouldn't be too scared is because we still have Ian Clark and we he can still develop another good goalie. I think that could be Michael DiPietro. Um, we have Jake Keeley too, right? So, which is uh, like a diamond. In Jake Keeley too. Yeah. Jake Keeley too. And then too. that and that other uh, guy. And that other dude, I forgot his name, but 
Which one? Matt Matthew Thiessen? Yeah, Thiessen. Thiessen is definitely another Thiessen. diamond in the rough, which could turn out. Who knows? But yeah, I think you're right. You know, like, don't be afraid. And who knows? Then they might not even get taken. But yeah, yeah I think we're the only two better. people in the world that know who Matthew Thiessen is. You know, probably. <laughs> yeah, except for Jim Benning. Yeah, but yeah, well, except yeah. for Jim Benning. Yeah, yeah. and who? And, who and, else? Who and else? All the all his family members and. Judd, Judd, Judd Brackett, who's gone now. Oh, yeah. So, and Trevor uh, Linden, maybe. <laughs> Trevor Linden, who, who didn't even look Jim Benning in the eye oh, yeah. during that ceremony. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah. was yeah. But... yeah, so in general, you could bridge deal your 11-13 forwards that you still have. They're not the top priority. Bertanen, I'm, I'm saying trade. What are you saying, though? This is the Justin, this is why yeah. I wanted to do this podcast. This was a huge part of it for agency because mm-hmm. I'm sure the whole fan base is like up in arms. It's like, what the hell do we do? Like, like I want to like. It... Oh shoot! One second. No. Hello, hello. Okay. Hello. We're back. Okay. It's at a point where it's like. There's parts where I'm like, I want to be a part of this organization so I have a say in what to do, but I don't know what to do. Do we keep retaining? Like, he had an amazing, he, he had a pretty decent season, 18 goals. He would have scored over 20. He looked in place. He looked like he had speed. He, he looked like he was, you know, starting to learn the game more, have more of an IQ. And in the playoffs, he showed, although honestly, I thought he had some solid games in like game six. Or like game five, one of those games, and in game seven, he was he was actually pretty, not bad. I thought he was one of the better Canucks. I know people are always saying like, oh, goals, assists, points, scoring, ah, blah blah blah. But I thought Jake did the little things well. But overall, you're right. You know, do you want to risk on someone that's not going to be so consistent, even at the age of 23, turning 24? Sometime soon this year or next year is it? But or do you get a do you keep a guy like Toffoli, twenty seven, who's entering his prime, who's in his prime basically, um, and he has that he has that uh, what do you call it that chemistry with Pearson? Who knows if Pearson's going to stay? I have something to say about Pearson a bit, but yeah, do you do you go with a safer option who's you know a, pr- a prime scorer who can get you points and contribute has has uh that con- connection with Miller and Pedersen as, as well as Bo Horvat too or do you go with Jake Vertanen who's who we can still grow who still has that potential I love his speed it's so tough it's like yeah like oh, yeah, like, yeah. like ben, Benning liked his size and skill mm-hmm. you can tell for sure um that's good. That's an interesting question. Like you, you want the size and skill. The thing is, if we keep speed. both of them, I think if we keep both of them, if we somehow keep both of them, Toffoli's gonna downgrade Vertanen's development a bit because Vertanen's not gonna get a shot in the top six. But if we don't sign Toffoli and we keep Vertanen, we could give Vertanen a top six role. And Vertanen in a top six role has proven to ha- bring the best out of his teammates. Advanced that wise mm. I looked as well. It's just uh, I I I I disagree on that. 
honestly. Uh, I don't think Vertanen really brings the best out of his teammates. I think really? he, I think he's, 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 he, he can be a good wheelhouse passer at times. He definitely skates really well and has definitely been better when it comes to powering himself, not only into the offensive zone, but also you doing like having a really good shot as well. But do I think he brings, you know, the best out of his teammates? No, honestly, I, I don't think so. And I think this season, like for Vertanen, he's definitely scored at a really good pace, but I think it's unsustainable. And I think, I I just don't, I don't see how a player like Vertanen can make players, you know, around him better when I didn't see anything like that in, in, in the playoffs minus one period in the 22 games like that we basically played. Like, well, like I, I, can't, I, I personally don't see, I, I personally don't see it. Like, I, I don't see how the Canucks are able to, you know, be able to get the best out of their players with, with Bertanen. Oh, sorry. When, I, when I'm counting it, it's actually 17. It's like, it's something like 17. But oh, like yeah. over 17 games, like, I, I don't see it. Like, you like if he really did bring the best out of his players, like I, I should see something like that in the, in the playoffs and in the regular season. And he did kind of that in the regular season. He didn't really do that in the playoffs. So like for me, that's why I have the case on what I want, why I kind of want to even trade him for cap space. Actually, no, no. I think I should reword it. Like he doesn't make his team like bring the best out of his players. Cause that's what like top players do. But it was proven, and there was st- stats shown that, like, when Vertanen, without Vertanen on, like, Horvath or Pedersen's line, or I don't know maybe about Pedersen's because Besser is, is there and he's, he's so solid, but on, like, Horvath's line without Vertanen, he had a lower course, he had lower shots attempt, more less zone time. He, when when Vertan- Horvath played with Vertanen and, and Pearson, I guess, that's when the expected goals went up, the shots went up, the course he went up. And the danger, more danger chances went up, which which I did see, and it didn't always turn into goals, but I thought it created chances and it gave Horvat more room. He's not he's not the only one that has to drive the play. You know, with a guy like with a guy like Toffoli, I thought at times there were moments where it was stagnant, and that's nothing against Toffoli. It's just. I thought Vertanen had a little, or had a little more chemistry with Vertanen, and they played. They they made he made the line a little more dangerous. I think that's a better way to put it. But in the long run, like you said, like it could be different. But it, that's why I think it's just so tough to decide. You can't keep both. I say if we keep both, Vertanen's development is gonna get downplayed. If you keep the Foley. It's safe. You you have guaranteed scoring, but you lose what could have been for Vertanen. But that could have been could be what 30, 40 points, which we we would take, yeah. But maybe even less, like thirty points. Maybe it was just a one wonder season for Jake. There is a bit of bias uh, that I have towards uh, Shotgun. You know, I like him since like he's he's a BC boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Lower Maybe mainland speaking, boy. Yeah, lower mainland snapped, boy. Right? Yeah, exactly. But some of his off-ice actions are unacceptable. He did look so coming into the playoffs, uh, the play-in uh, training camp. And Horvat definitely mm-hmm. said something about it. It's just so tough. I don't know. My, I know yeah. you say trade return. I, I, I just don't know. The thing is, we won't even get much out of him. It's basically just freeing up cap space. I think we can maybe get a third out of him. Maybe a second, I thought, yeah. but but people are saying no. So I think maybe a third. I think I think we can get a third out of Ritten. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Or maybe so a fourth. We'll let, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in general, like you know, I think Bertanen's case, like you know, twenty when you're around twenty four, you you kind of start to know, like you know, what kind of player you are. Bertanen does have times where he struggles defensively. And, you know, Vertanen, I think, has points where he's slow in reading, you know, a play and being able to move the puck along the wall. That's definitely, like, a few times where I found that out kind of in that regular regular season. He, he does a really good job that he, you know, moves his feet really quickly. I think he's guilty of, like, being too magnetized to the puck as opposed oh, yeah. to playing oh, yeah. away from the puck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know that's that's what that's the reason why I think he continues to be at best middle six and at worst bottom six because he he can skate fast he has the size and and he can even have the shot and the skill. He but has such a good shot. <laughs> he 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 has points where he struggles to even make proper breakout passes. He doesn't like like I said be, he's not as able to like read plays off the wall and like you know play that full game where he can properly position himself when he's away from the puck. He kind of more skates around to where the puck is. And then from there, like, you know, once he's in the radius of like kind of five feet around where the puck is, that's when he starts to really play. Uh, I, I think, you know, you know, with, with, with Bertanen, like, obviously like, you know, you indicated your points with Corsi, but then I actually have, you know, a defensive case in the fact that I have, you know, Corsi numbers four as well as expected goal share with Louis Erickson. And you know, Louis Erickson. Oh yeah, does oh, yeah. Better. oh yeah, he exists. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Louis Erickson, even though he's predictable, low event. There's a reason why Travis Green pay, played Louis Erickson instead of Jake Bertanen with that Bo is Horvat. True. Yeah. And the reason why is better shot attempts, better expected goal share, even in the playoffs where Erickson didn't even score a goal. And less expected goals against. So, why why would I want to keep Vertanen, who's going to be, you know, like like I I can see I can obviously find better places where I can find cap space, but like the point is I'm not going to be able to do that. And as in you know the the most the most um you know the most like shiniest of toys to be able to trade are the younger players that, you know, seem somewhat cast offish. Like you, you can at least get 10 to 12 teams who will want Jake Bertanen for sure. Like, I, I think, I think you can find those teams for sure. And then it's from there creating that market and being able to find some proper um, training partners. 
Yeah, maybe a different change of scenery might be good for Jake. You know, like playing in front of his home home team from his yeah. local area. It's definitely a lot of pressure. But yeah, he Vertan does coast a lot too, which which it is frustrating for us Canucks fans. I think we all know that like Jake could skate, but sometimes he just kind of coasts back and doesn't get have his man, and then they end up getting a really good chance or they score. And that just shows his his work rate work ethic sometimes, right? It's definitely not super high. I think that's fair to say, even as a Vertanen fan. So the safe option, you know, honestly, might be to trade Vertanen. Uh, I think, he, yeah, like you said, about even like five to ten teams definitely would be interested. Like Detroit would probably be one of those teams, I think. And, um, yeah, just a lot of teams are looking for a guy that's got some size and uh, speed and skill and a good shot. Like, who wouldn't want that? But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good conversation about Vertanen, by the that way. Was, I know yeah, this wasn't planned at all. but No, 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 it was. It, this was planned. I knew we would get into this because I, I had so much thoughts about this. I didn't know what to do. And I think I, I think there's kind of a solution here. But anyway, uh. Yeah, that was that was a good talk. Uh, and then Toffoli you wanted to keep. Tanev, you don't Toffoli, want to keep? Toffoli I want to keep. Well, of course I'd want to keep a player like Tanev. Like, defensive defensemen are hard to find. But let's look at a few statistics. Well, first off, like, you know, Chris Tanev, round 30, has had a lot of points where he was injured. Uh, in previous years, this is one of the very first full seasons that he be, he was able to hold. I think it's the first. So, it's the very first. Yeah, I that he's played okay. every game. Yeah, yeah, like basically the first. Uh, and what else? What else? Like, like I think, like it's it's difficult, especially with Jim Benning. He has to save some cap space eventually for Pedersen and Hughes for their, for their big contracts. I'm, I'm expecting Pedersen Hughes matching like maybe something like seven year, 10 million plus something like Whoa. that. That's my, that's my expectation. Oh shoot. And, and they, and they earn and they earned it. Like, I think they honestly earned it because like Quinn Hughes has the potential to be the best defenseman in Canucks history and Pedersen has the chance to be one of the best centers in Canucks history and we've already seen the deals with with Dreisaitl, with McDavid with Marner, with with Tavares and, and Panarin as well like there are players that with the skill profile of Pedersen Hughes that are just going to get paid even in a COVID economy I think it's, I think it's going to be 10 million I think it's honestly going to be 10 million and yeah. you know, yeah. I, okay. Maybe if they, like if you're expecting hometown discounts, like it's, it's very difficult for me to expect that, especially with the fact that Mitch Marner himself didn't give a hometown discount for Toronto who literally was born in the Ontario area oh, yes. and probably, probably had aspirations to play for Toronto like, you know, you expect Mitch Martin to say something like seven, eight million, but no, he got paid over 10 million. Like, why would I expect more mercy from like Pedersen and Hughes 
on the negotiating table. I'm I'm probably looking at nine and eight, like just a tad lower. But you know, ten and ten, I think definitely it, it could deserve that for sure. Like, get get me the negotiator that gets Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes eight million dollar contracts. Like I don't know how you do that, but no nine nine and eight. Nine point something and Quinn gets eight points. Okay, nine, nine and eight. Okay, even nine and eight is, I think it's going to be generous. Like you if they so? somehow do that, that's that's club front friendly deals. Those right. are club friendly deals. Like we already seen with Tavares and Kane. Like, like you you seen you seen um Tavares and Kane's contract right that they that they signed or like, how long how how long how long ago was that even. I don't even remember. I even, for, I even forgot what their last contract was. Both of them were 10.5. And and that was after years that they played not only together, but in Chicago. And that's why I'm saying very generously, Pedersen and Hughes can be 10 million plus. Like right. they'll probably be the first, they'll, they'll 100% be the first two players in Canucks history that are going to get... Um, that they're going to get eight-digit contracts. Like, they're going to get eight-digit-per-year contracts. This this would be the very first in Canucks history. Um, the Sedins got paid seven, right? So, Yeah, they got paid seven. So that's that's the highest that has been paid. Is but like, that's the thing. The well, salary cap era is different, yeah. right? Like, back then and now, it's definitely fluctuated. It, it, it's definitely on the rise, so... There's that too, mm-hmm. but yeah, we well, can argue yeah. like you know, Pedersen's could be better than Sadine's. Like, who knows? Like, like there, there's that. Like, there's aspects yeah. of his game that really resemble both of them, and yeah. it's like two Sadines yeah. in one almost. Yeah, right? so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, there was a time back in the old days, like you know, remember Sidney Crosby? Oh, remember yeah. back when he signed that enormous contract, eight point seven each, until he was like one hundred years old. You know, he's like you know eight point seven for a player like Sidney Crosby. You know, he doesn't have that same shine to him anymore. But you know, would you want to sign Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes to eight point seven each every day of the week? Yes. Hmm. We'll see. But, yeah, no, honestly, that just speaks volumes of how good they are, and I think we should be proud of that. And we have contracts coming off before that Before that comes. You know, I think uh, the Beagle, Roussel, oh. those ones, and, like, uh, the long... Roussel, definitely, yeah. yeah Roussel, um, Beagle. Beagle, I think, is another year. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, is no, it? No, Beagle's three years as well. So I think both of those. Oh, okay. And then we have... Uh, because Roussel and Beagle, not only they modify no trade clauses for both of them, um, that that goes into um, twenty twenty two, not twenty twenty one. So oh, is that when we have to? Is that when we have to sign Pedersen and Hughes? Uh, so contracts are going to be expiring soon. Brandon Sutter, Tanner Pearson, and Sven Berchi. Oh yeah, Brissotter. Oh yeah, Brissotter. Oh. oh, also Alex Edler. Fun fact, also Alex. Oh, that that's gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 Let's see. Um, yeah. Let's see. How many how many forwards do we have to pre- protect in the expansion draft? Ah, uh, for how many was it? I forgot. 
Was seven forwards? Three seven defensemen forwards. and a goalie, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Just Sutter, Pearson, and Berchi, all who are expendable, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Edler so, and then Jordy Ben, another two million that yeah. can come off. Yeah. So play the fun game where you have to protect Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Mitchell and Mike and Mike Furland. Because they have no movement clauses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So those are four people that you have to protect right off the bat. And then who can you protect after? You protect... Oh, shoot. We we have to protect... JT Miller and Elias Pedersen. Something like that, for example. Wait, but since it's moderated for Sutter, Erickson, can't we not protect them, possibly? I I don't think that matters. I think... Modif- wait let, let me let me recheck expansion yeah um expansion um rules i thought modified modified no trade clauses uh basically immediately have to get protected i'm just praying you know that because that would be that would be really helpful you know anton Rousseau, like i i still i i'm so happy we, we signed antoine i thought that was a good deal mm-hmm Maybe a little bit too much money, but like, yeah, three million. I mean, th- th- that was the price that they were going to get paid anyway. That's true. Like, if it I, wasn't I the Canucks, people, it was going to be another. Yeah, I think people you know. always think like, oh, why can't we pay them a little lower? But because that's like their baseline. That's what they're going to get paid in the free agent market. You know, that's just what it is. Like, it, there's nothing we can do about it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, but Louis for six for six, I thought that was a stupid thing. I remember at first when I was like, oh, Louis, oh, yeah, he did really well in Boston. He's got that chemistry with the Sedins. I, I was really excited, but then I looked, I was like, six years? Shoot, yeah. this guy's not even that young. He's going to be like 37 by the time, you know, like he's going to – his contract's off. I thought that was that was not a smart, smart move. It was like Thanks, a – it was. I think it was basically like a – this team got to contend now. You got to do something. Kind of move. It was a rushing mm-hmm. move. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. man. We have to protect. Yeah. It's going to be a very difficult affair for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, I'm trying to. That's why I'm trying. That's why I'm like trying to see uh, who we have to. Um, okay. Let, let, to okay. Well, well, yeah. While you look at that, I'll quickly look at who else we could protect if that's the case. So we have Louis, Sutter. Ferland, no, wait, Ferland. We have to protect Ferland, or he could be in the. L- I think L- I think we have to because he has a no movement clause, right? But then, but then, oh yeah, shoot, one, two, three, four, five. We can only protect two more than what? I think so. So we have to protect Pedersen. No, we don't. I don't think we have to. Do we have to? I forgot. Like who? Who? What's the um? What was it like? Players on expansion deals don't. Yeah, I don't think Patterson. We have to. Is that correct? I don't think we have to protect Quinn. We don't have to protect. We don't, we don't have to protect Quinn Hughes, so we're fine there. Okay, so that's, Brock, that's from what I remember. I guess it's Brock and. Oh wait, wait, wait. That's, that that makes no sense. So we first, have se- first and second year NHL players are exempted. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What was it? So Brock is Brock is not exempted, is he? Mm, no, no, he's no. not. No, he's not. Gods is probably exempted. 
I'll leave oh no. Lieutenant no. Wait, Jake is 24 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you in trouble? <laughs> Good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if we are in trouble. <laughs> anyway, but I we'll, mean, we'll get back to that. That's a whole new topic. I, I guess. I guess. I guess we'll look. We'll look at that a little later. <laughs> yeah. 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 I. I am a bit concerned right now, but you know, I'm sure. But like, maybe, maybe it's because maybe because we're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Maybe. Maybe. Also, maybe I'm wrong. Please. Please. Oh. Please. Hockey guys. Please. Anyway. Um. Okay. All right. Got cut off. So let's let's see if we can wrap up here real quick. <laughs> All right. the The moral of our whole story is just don't 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 pay too much money in free agency, and you shouldn't you shouldn't have to worry about these type of questions. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Michael Furlan already agreed to like what was it? already agreed to be exposed in 2021 so that's fine uh okay. louis erickson is also getting exposed no one's gonna get him though oh, yeah. so that's that's fine uh what else what else uh jay beagle antoine roussel also will be exposed so that's fine so it probably is absolute no trade clauses okay okay so okay we got pro- protect brock Bo, that's two. JT, yeah. Uh, Henderson, Henderson for. Oh wait, we have to trade. We have to protect PD. Yep, we have to protect Pedersen. He's a third year now. Uh, protect Toffoli. Mm, if we do have him still, yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, and then I don't think we need to protect anyone. It's Josh Levo, maybe I don't think so. No, we won't protect Josh yeah. Levo. I guess maybe like Pearson or something. So I think we've got we've got some options on forward. So I think we'll be fine there. And defense, three, we can do three, I believe. So mm-hmm. we have to protect Edler. Yeah. Right. Uh, I would assume that you would keep Edler, right? I and mean, Myers. I believe Myers. Oh, I don't you, know if you, have you, to you keep you keep Myers. Yeah. 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 So two, and then the third one would be. I think I don't think we need to protect Quinn, but I think we need to protect. If we still have Tanov, it's Tanov. Yeah, Tanov. Yeah. Uh, maybe Troy Stetcher. I don't know. Maybe Stetcher. But I think I think we're safe protecting Tanov. I don't think they're gonna take Stetch. And then goalies only one, so I guess we protect. Okay, Thatcher Demko or Jakob Markstrom. Oh, that's the freaking hardest thing, man. Who are you going I- with? I said, oh, man, ugh. like, do we risk or like maybe <laughs> there's not a guarantee that Demko will be taken. There's a lot of really good goaltenders, young goaltenders, backups mm-hmm. that are like starting jobs. But like, you know, like Demko definitely not, might not be taken. Uh, I, I say protect Markstrom. My heart is saying Markstrom. Right You're saying protect Markstrom? What about you? I'm also saying protect Markstrom. Whoa. And you sell Demko at his high if you can. Like, of course, like I said, I'd like to have two good goalies going in. But but 
you have to keep in mind Demko definitely has somewhat of a name and he definitely has this like mystique to him that like he seems pretty interesting and I think he'll be a very appealing like trade chip a lot of teams will realize that of course we have to trade maybe a goalie to make sure that we're underneath you know underneath the gun and you know I'm pretty sure Vegas wouldn't really think about picking Michael DiPietro so like I I think I think like yeah, Seattle. Seattle, sorry. Sure. Seattle. So, Seattle. Vegas to get another one of our players. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Seattle. Seattle. Um, like, like, like I said, like, I, I really think the, the best move is honestly to just keep both Markstrom and Demko. But if you really want a piece to get, like, a first-round pick, like maybe Benning wants a really good first-round pick, you would trade a player like Demko who has like, who seems like the, he has like this limitless potential with him has no tr- move, has no trade clauses, like no, no trade clauses um, has like huge value for a lot of people who are looking for goaltender help. Like they'll think to themselves, okay, we have a young prospect that was able to somehow turn Vegas from one of the best teams in the NHL to like a scared team, like overnight, like how can we replicate this? Um, and, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people would could salivate on the Demco trade too. I, I'm surprised this is something like this is very under, under, um, under talked about, like, you know, in, yeah. in podcasts and like radio shows that I've been, been viewing. But uh, a lot of people want to talk about Brock Besser apparently being traded because I don't know, no reason. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we both say Markstrom. I say Markstrom. Oh, I, 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 I can I can debate about Demko, but I mean, like I, I think I think the, the good answer here is Markstrom, even though he's thirty, even though things could happen with him. You you want you want someone who's been in numerous experiences, so, and also someone you know that's like a Vesna candidate now. Like you can legit say Markstrom's like one of the top goalies in the league. Yeah, and that's like yeah. So I think I I say Markstrom right now too. But we'll mm-hmm. we'll see it as we continue. Demko's still a very interesting prospect that's starting to bloom, showing mm-hmm. strides, showing glimpses, big glimpses. But okay, yeah. Uh, so Stetcher. So we, you know, wait. So you, you want to sign Marky for sure, correct? Like, would I want to keep him or, or sign him, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, if I had the opportunity to, I would want to have two good goalies going in. Um, like I, but I also had said that I did want to trade Demko. And, and you know, in this, off, you, in this off season, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason why I say both of them are very appealing to me is because they just are like, and you know, to have both those options open, what do you have to have? Jakob Markstrom. Might as well sign Markstrom to make sure you have that option. You could have that option choosing between Demko and Markstrom throughout the whole season. And also in the off season too, if you ever find a good trade open up, Jim Benning has been on record saying that we will probably look at the trade deadline uh, if we were to plan on um, 
moving away from like Markstrom Demko, kind of kind of paraphrasing here, but I a lot of people knew that's what he really meant because he was because they were talking about expansion draft plans. It's 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 my it's my belief that like Benning is gonna really try hard to sign Markstrom. And I've also had this belief that like Tyler Toffoli does also want to stay here. Um, he even, does, though, he does. even though his uh, wife works for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, so that's oh, yeah. definitely that's definitely going to be difficult. But like you know, it's definitely not the furthest place. Um, but you 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 obviously saw what happened with Ryan Miller, Ryan Miller, um, and then also his wife, who's also an actress. Like you know, he he moved to Anaheim mainly to be be in California with his wife. And, you know, I think that Tyler Toffoli could do this exact same thing, like either go to Anaheim or um, Anaheim or L.A. or maybe San Jose. But none of them are fun teams to be a part of at the moment. So that is true. So, like, you know, there's also this part of Toffoli, I think, that thinks I could, you know, be the piece right next to Elias Pedersen. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he thinks that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I think like both of them will eventually be signed by the Canucks. It is running a little late. That is, I'm I'm not talking about like this podcast, by the way. I, mm-hmm. But that that is also running really late too. <laughs> it, but, is, it is. Yeah, but like it's really running late into like around where free agents uh, where free agency is just around the corner. I am getting nervous that Canucks I are am, just I'm not so really going to sign anybody. They're just going to let players just go into free agency. And we're just going to end up with zero out of three. It no, just kind of no, feels no. it kind of feels like that's what's going to happen. Uh, and we're somehow just going to yeah. somehow compensate this with free agency, which makes no sense. But yeah. No, that's why, that's why I, I wanted to do this podcast, to have more of a stable understanding. Well, are you going to... Are you just gonna are you just gonna blackmail Jim Benning and send this podcast over to him? <laughs> uh, you know, there's times when I wanna let the Canucks organization know what I think. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, like at least we're getting out to some people and to just have that information, you knowing what I want, what I think, I, myself knowing what you think, I think that gives a little more reassurance. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's. But yeah, and then Stetcher, you want to keep or you want to let go as well? Uh, I wouldn't mind signing him. You say I, you I, want to keep Tanev. Wait, you want to keep Tanev or you want to trade? Tanev? I mean, you if I could keep go. Tanev, I would keep Tanev. But he's my third priority. Personally, my third priority. Even though defensemen are very hard to find, good defensemen okay, so, are definitely hard to find. But so keep Stetcher or uh, don't keep Stetcher. Uh, keep Stetcher. He's not my main priority right now. Oh man, do we have enough room right now? It, according to your you, we have holding up Adam Gaudet. We're keeping Josh Levo, Tyler Mott, who are both pretty relatively cheap, and then Toffoli, Tanev, and Stetcher. Mm-hmm. That's gonna take up what say say Toffoli takes that four point four for four years, which is which would be quite a steal. Tanev for what seven four point five. And Stetcher for like three, three year, three, three mil. And that would be like, okay, maybe not three mil. Let's say like two point five. No, no, three mil. Three or so about almost ten mil. Ten mil mm-hmm. goes into these three players, 
and then we yeah. need to keep Markstrom. Yeah. Which is going to be another five, six mil. Mm-hmm. So can we keep all of them? I don't know. And then, don't and know then you're over the cap. Sure. You're over the cap exactly. now. So that's why you you trade for ten. I guess yep. I guess that could help. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Trade for ten. So we're done with um, now you know why Jim Benning's having a lot of trouble, right? And and his exactly. and his hockey staff are having a exactly. lot of trouble because exactly. you can't only plan for this off season and next season. You also got to plan for both Pedersen and Hughes for when they get paid too. So that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, trades. So you say Vertanen. Is there any scenario trades you have at all? That you're thinking of, if you if we're willing to trade anyone, not really. I honestly don't know the market on Jake Vertanen, so I'm not gonna pretend like oh we could trade him for like a second round pick or anything like that. I I just I just don't think like trading arbitration rights is just gonna have a lot of value. Honestly, it's and then what about even though we have the market, it's just gonna be very difficult to get a, a lot of value out of it. And then what about Berchi, Sutter, and a possible Louis Erickson? Berchi is – okay, for first off, Louis Erickson is a cap dump. There's no way you're going to be able to do it without, like, some sort of first-round pick or some really good prospect. Um, like yeah. yeah, so that's, that's, that option's unfortunately out the window. If Canucks somehow are able to do it, I mean, more power to them. They're probably going to give up a first-round pick, and they're probably going to give up a third-round pick and a good prospect. That's my expectation. Oof, I don't know if that's worth it. Well, cap space, especially okay. in a COVID environment, is very costly. So first, maybe a second or a third, and a good prospect. That's wow. that's my expected price for, for uh. that one. Uh, yeah, I agree. But I agree, like I said, just like with Jake Furtanen, I don't necessarily know the market, so I don't like making predictions like this. So okay, um, okay, all right, fair. No, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have any trades like Dumba for Besser. No, Furtanen no. for maybe a third round pick. I think. I think don't I, don't like, don't be a media slave and say that. No, for Besser I, for I, Dumba I, will work out. I don't know why I, everyone I don't, says that, no. but you know. Um, I I was thinking Brodine, but Brodine signed that massive contract, so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. Um, and then guys like oh, we don't have like too many good training prospects because like a lot of them are UFAs. Like Tana would be a good one if we want to trade him, but we gotta sign him first, and I don't know if you want to sign and trade and stuff. Okay, so mm-hmm. we'll hold off on trades. And then draft. Who do you think we're gonna draft? I know we don't have like a top two any first two round picks, but do you have any idea who we might want to draft? Uh, no, because I don't know people in the third round, and I I honestly don't think at the moment I really have done enough research to really like give a valid opinion, honestly. I think I need to do that too. I need to look at the draft a bit because the playoffs. I was like, I'm just focusing now on playoffs. Like draft mm-hmm. doesn't even matter right now. But now, no. since we're in that offense, yeah. knock yourself but, out looking at people in the high in the high seventies. I, I don't think 
it's really going to matter to a lot of Canucks players. This is the stuff that amateur scouts are really just going to care about. But that, that, but that the thing is, the, this draft apparently is one of the deepest drafts. So even someone in the third round might be a really good prospect. So we'll see. Maybe and you're right. Maybe it's just not much, but possibly compared to sure, other. Sure. I mean, we have we have five picks. Um, yeah, but we have quite a few picks. So. Benning can work his magic. He can get a few diamond in the rough and maybe a breakout guy. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Another Niels Hoglander? I'm, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mm-hmm. finally, finally, golf sure. and Tiger Woods. Sure, sure. Just quickly. Um, your thoughts about Tiger's performance and then the conditions of the U.S. Open? Hmm. Uh, let me think. I mean, Tiger. Uh, very, it's very difficult for me to say. I kind of, kind of had that similar feeling with like Phil Mickelson. Both Tiger and Phil kind of became part of the same category for me, in the fact that I think they just kind of knew walking off that last like green that they were missing the cut and they can just leave right away. You know, you know I. They 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 have they have t- they both of them have tough times hitting fairways consistently. Woods has definitely always had a tough time being able to hit fairways. Mickelson has also had a tough time hitting fairways in his career consistently. Um, and you know Mickelson almost didn't even make the U.S. Open. Tiger Woods has made the U.S. Open uh, just uh, due to qualification, but you know uh, it's. It's tough because both of these both of these guys definitely have uh, definitely have themselves numbered and how many more U.S. Opens they're going to be able to play in, which of course is obviously very sad. But uh, you know, I think I think honestly, Woods just wasn't really on top of his game. He struggled with his putting, he, and wing foot is it's a very it's a, it was a very tough course to be able to you know have a good putting streak going because you know it 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 has a high stem like it's gonna it's gonna roll really quickly uh the grass the 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 very um the very tall rough definitely did not do him any favors when he didn't drive the ball well uh he encountered a lot of trouble his speed just was entirely off he just could not get things moving i i don't think tiger woods just was ready for this u.s open so i i agree yeah you're, you're right mm-hmm. it was really disappointing especially today his short game it was shockingly bad it was just not sharp enough at mm-hmm. all i thought and that's some that's usually like he's arguably one of the best short game players on the ever right like but it, it, it just wasn't there. And a lot of people say he didn't have enough reps, but yeah, it's true, but I think I think it's also kind of an excuse. I think I think Tiger should have had enough practice that to prepare his game for wing foot. And he should have expected the the speed. He just he just didn't have it. He just didn't have enough confidence, didn't have enough consistency. Um yeah. And then like you said 
Tiger's never been like Tiger Earl. Earl, his his father always taught him green to tee, right? So obviously his putting is gonna be the main focus. Then his short game, his irons, and his irons right now are his best things, his best uh, the best as- aspect of his game. And then driving is definitely not one of his strong points. Like if he hits the fairway, if he drives it well, he's gonna win. He has a really good chance of winning. If he drives it well, and like my thing was, if Tiger putts well and he drives the ball well, relatively straight, he's got a good chance at at least like a top ten. But both he didn't do. And what's the result? A miscut by three shots, I think, three four shots. It's it's just what it is, and it's disappointing. But I think Tiger's gonna get ready for Augusta. I think it's he's got a good chance there. He's is the defending champ. He knows the green. He knows the course really well. It never changes, so I think that's an advantage for Tiger. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts about it. Anything else about Tiger? Ah, uh, I think I basically said what I had to say. He, you know, U.S. Open as a whole. When you when you don't have your when you don't have your game, you just won't be in the hunt. Woods did not hit the fairways. He did not have the putting streak going. Uh, and you know, it, it's sad for me to say this. Like you know, like Tiger Woods just definitely is not on his game at the moment. He's de- and and you know, it's not good for golf when Wood Woods is not part of part of the weekend. That's true. I, I, I wish he was part of it. Like, you know, then more people would be watching the U.S. Open because, you know, like I'm pretty sure you and I have friends that don't even know anything about golf, but they know Tiger Woods. And they probably watched him at least once or twice. Yeah, so like maybe they'll watch it and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's Tiger Woods. Yeah, I know he's a little older, but he's still there, you know. Like I know I'm not going to watch as much as I thought I would because he missed a cut. So, yeah. that, and that shows like I, I'm a kind of like a golf fanatic, and like I'm not gonna watch. So, what about those middling play people who just watch for Tiger? They're not gonna yeah. watch, not a chance, right? So, yeah, like no one knows Patrick Reed, like you no, know, like who who doesn't know Patrick golf? Like, uh, like that's Patrick. basically what I'm trying to say. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure if you told random people on the street you know, the names of Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, and Justin Thomas, they're not really going to know them. Or even even like a Dustin Johnson. Like Dustin Johnson's probably the closest you might even get to maybe someone that people may know. But, you know, these are people that are literally in the top 10 of the world ranking. So why aren't these guys super popular outside of, you know, the sport of golf? It, it, it's just because they're not as dominant, you know, they're, they're just not as dominant. They're, they're never, there's never going to be a really great player like Tiger Woods ever again, just because golf is such a fickle game that like, it's really difficult to win championships uh, in the, in this, in this, in this, um, in any like golf environment now. Like, I, I don't know. Like, 
What do you What do you think? What do you think, Justin? Like, no, I I agree. I agree two hundred percent. I don't think there's ever gonna be a golfer like Tiger. Is there gonna be similar? Kind of. Yanni Sang on the LPGA tour. I don't know. I don't know if you remember her. She was like from Taipei, Chinese Chinese Taipei. Like she, or from like, from like Taiwan. Like she, no, not Taiwan, but like somewhere in uh East Asia ish. Are you talking about like, Korea and Lydia Ko or no, something no, else? No, that Yanni Sang is uh like a like. A, oh, Yanni Sang, yeah, 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 yeah. She, she, she had comparisons to Tiger. Like she had a dominant streak for like. Yeah, was it? Yeah, the one she was dominating. She had the length, and they're like, "Oh, this." uh, She, Yanni's saying the next female Tiger Woods. Blah 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 blah. Now what happened? She's not even in any leaderboard. I don't even know where she disappeared to. Who knows? She might be fishing right now. But yeah, Yanni's saying, um, Anthony Kim. You probably remember him. He was known. He he was a he was a he was a figure too. He was quite a figure (laughs) actually. Which is yep. good for like the Asian community of sports, but yeah, him, like Justin Thomas now, who I really like personally because he has a bit of fire in his game. I think not just dominating mm-hmm. the game because D- Dustin Johnson's kind of in that mode. He's starting to show that domination, like definitely not as much as what Tiger did in the early two thousands. But I think it's just that sheer passion and that fire. And that ultimate swagger just that just can't be explained in words that Tiger has that brings the crowds, that brings the audience, even people mm-hmm. who don't play golf. And I I think there's just not not that there aren't enough players like that. There just isn't really is one. Like Thomas, he's showing he's showing signs of it. But it's not like that pure swagger that Tiger has, that pimp step. Why do you mm-hmm. think I'm trying to copy that? Because it looks hella cool, man. Or can he that <laughs> just strutting stick? down the fairway. Yeah. yeah. Just, he doesn't even look. He just twirls the club. He knows he hits a perfect shot. Stinger. Yeah. yeah. It's just like a boxer. Like Tiger, yeah. sure, he plays golf, but like, it's like he just, you know, just dropped the mic, basically. That's, that's what he does. And th- there's a reason why. Guys like Steph Curry, uh, Floyd Mayweather, like all these, like Kobe Bryant, when when like you know he was still around, like they they admired and they really followed and they were like you know there was this football player who's like they were doing an interview on him and then the dude's like mm-hmm. hold on hold on hold on Tigers fighting for birdie on three it was so funny <laughs> that was mm-hmm. one of the funniest things I ever ever witnessed uh, but yeah like that's just the that brings the crowds and just the attention on Tiger. Like, when yeah. Tiger makes the putt, he's going to get into it. 80% of golfers, the PGA Tour players, whatever, if they make a putt, they're just going to have a little hand wave and then just pretend nothing happened. Which some people will be like, oh, yeah, that's good composure, but it's like, it's not cool to look at. And then at the end of the day, what do you want to do? You got to look cool. You know, people like golfers always like, you know, if I don't play well, at least I look cool. That's what it is. Tiger, even if he 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 shot seven over, he still looked cool, man. Mm-hmm. And that's why people mm-hmm. want. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's not good for the game of golf when Tiger's not playing on the weekend. But as he prepares next month for Augusta, I think, I think he'll be ready. I think he'll be ready, and 
yeah, the rest of this U.S. Open, it's going to be interesting. Uh, who do you think is going to win? Who, who do I think is going to win the U.S. Open? Yeah. Hmm. Good question. Like, I, th- I thought, like, you know, going into, like, going into something like this, I thought, like, someone like Nishambu, who definitely is a lot more accurate than – than he has been like throughout the whole throughout his whole career. I think he I think he's definitely continuously gained confidence where where you know the American can finally finally like win some sort of championship. I think like if I had to put money like I would say Deshambo personally. DeChambeau. Like Deshambo is definitely on my on my list. If I had like a fantasy team, uh, I would have had Bryson Deshambo on it for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, but I, you know, at the same time, I've also, I also would have had, a, you know, someone like Rory McIlroy as well, and I also would have had someone like, you know, Adam Scott, who is very consistent in his swing, and you know, both of those players aren't doing very well, and I also even was thinking about Colin Morikawa, who just missed the cut too. So oh yeah, he missed the cut. Yeah. Too, yeah. Would so, you have had? Tiger? Would you have had Tiger in your friends? No, no, I wouldn't have. No, I personally at, wouldn't not have. At, not at Wingfoot. No, that's fair. No, not at Wingfoot because Wingfoot was going to have very tight fairways, and they were also going to have um, a very unforgiving like putting slope. And Tiger is just not on top of his game. I wouldn't have had him personally. Um, but you know, uh, at the same time, I also would have had Colin Morikawa, and he's cut because he didn't have a good first round. So, you know, yeah, it's all, it's all, just it's, a, it's all relative. That's golf, you know. Like, like my dad was like, you know, like one day you win a major championship, the next day you miss the cut at like an average mm-hmm. tournament. That's just what golf is, and that's the beauty of it. But also, like, it's the strange thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's amazing. Um, yeah. I, I if I had a fantasy, I probably okay, hundred percent have Tiger, mm-hmm. matter what. Yeah. Despite knowing that he probably doesn't have the best shot, the fairways are tight. Knowing that the 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 green slope is absolutely outrageous. Like, what kind of greens are those? And the fact that he doesn't have his game all together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tiger mm-hmm. now has shot. And uh, actually, maybe Dustin Johnson. Yeah, yeah. DJ Tiger and Shoffley. Shoffley definitely. So I think that would have been a good bet. But yeah. All right. So you say Deshambo winning the U.S. Open? That's a. I think I think Deshambo can win. Yeah. For me, I mean, actually, this will be fun. Uh, I mean, me. Matsuyama definitely is a good shot too. I think Matsuyama could be pretty interesting. As well, I'm gonna still go. I'm gonna still go. Uh, JT. Hmm. I think JT still got it. Still, so you're think you're thinking Thomas. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. That's why we're mm-hmm. winning. I wish he does. Uh, yeah. It'll be it'll be great. I, I, yeah. I love this kid's game. I love this kid's swagger. He does. That's mm-hmm. why, like guys like Ricky Fowler, I like as well. Like these guys have fire. They, these guys have a bit of firepower and a bit of swagger, which mm-hmm. like which Tiger has. Like of course it's not like anywhere close to what he has, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I have JT winning, 
And then um, yeah. my two bats are Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, I think Hideki, he's definitely had a lot of great underlying advanced statistics, like strokes gained. It's definitely, um, it's definitely one that's definitely been um, kind of suppressed uh, within his score. Uh, you know, 71-69 to even. Even in any U.S. Open in general, like minus, I guess, the Pebble Beach one, is really good. You know, I thought we were going to get a plus score, you know, for the winner at Wingfoot. And it can still happen. I think it will. I think it will. It, it still can happen where, like, a plus one or a plus two will be the winning score. And I think it will, just as we continuously go along. Patrick Reed's on his game, though. I think both Patrick his Reed scramb- and Bryson DeSambo. His scrambling is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I think, I think we, have, we have a case to be made that, you know, the, like the U.S. Open, like in general, like I think, uh, you know, Justin Thomas, you know, I definitely can see how he can win, you know, because he, he did a lot of, he did a really great job, you know, scrambling after missing a lot of his fairways. Uh, he was doing very well strokes gained after, after hitting off the tee. Um, he was able to get himself back in the tournament and I just really liked how he played. You know, I, I definitely think he could be great, but Thomas. you know, I think Thomas. Yeah. 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 He, he, struggled. he struggled, but he grinded, he grinded to mm-hmm. underscore and he's only two shots back. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, at the time when he was playing, since Tiger was playing, I was like, and he was, leaning, I was like, Oh yeah, this is gives Tiger a chance to come back. But now since Tiger's out, I'm like, okay, JT, you gotta, you gotta turn it on on the weekend, right? So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, like Matsuyama, you know, he was third at the BMW, um, and I, I think also like he's as a whole just been playing really great golf as as of late, in particular. You know, I think Matsuyama has definitely been under the radar for sure. Um, he plays so slow, though. Oh my goodness gracious! Mm-hmm. My dad's yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Why does he play so slow? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I I think a- like he I think he's a really 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 good talent. Uh, uh, he he definitely has hasn't won like the tournaments, but I think he's so consistent that like if I were to pick him like in a fantasy team, for example. I think I would have the near guarantee that he would be like top 10, top 15 for sure. And would basically, you know, would basically be able to, you know, secure some points at least for my fantasy team in a, in a mid round, like, because I think that Siyama falls down the radar enough that a lot of people don't really think about him a lot. That like, is you know, true. They'll, they'll think, they'll think, they'll think about DJ. They'll think about Reed. They'll think about McElroy. Uh, uh, you know, but they won't think like players like Hideki Matsuyama. Um, who else? Like, you know, I I guess also like in a way they won't really think about players like Zach Johnson, for example, too, who's also no. like plus four. So, mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler is actually a pretty big name, but then you know people also don't really think about Alex Norin, who's also around the same score. People will think like people like Jason Day. You know, you know they won't think you know of players like. 
you know, Adam Hadwin, you know, you know, and that's what you do in these fantasy drafts. You find players that, you know, will, will be, will be like better than expected, you know, you know, I think Daniel Berger is a pretty decent option too. He's played pretty good golf lately. Daniel Berger. Yep. Really great young player. Uh, Victor Hovland has been uh, one of the best recently amateur to pro um, oh, yeah, yeah, players yeah. as well. Yeah. I got to see him play at the last U.S. Open too. So that was very exciting, actually. That was you back when he was live? an amateur. So you I got, him? yeah, I watched him live because I was at Whoa. the uh, last U.S. Open. Wow. The one where, mm-hmm. uh, oh, uh, uh, Woodland one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun fact. Like I didn't, I didn't watch um, Woodland win the U.S. Open though. I actually was. We were actually like my family and I. We were gone from Pebble Beach by the time Woodland made the putt. Oh, I see. I see. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, it's, it's 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 really weird how they hold the U.S. Open, but uh, that's a different discussion for another day though. Oh yeah. And yeah, uh, that's great talk about Wingfoot. Um, it was exciting. I, it was, was going to be exciting regardless. Um, I, th- I think scoring has been a bit better than what I expected so far, but I, hopefully in the weekend, the U.S. Open shows his Wingfoot shows his speed. The weather starts to, you know, become more of an issue, which will be more fun for us, not fun for the players. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, I just want to, you know, on the note of talking golf, let's talk about our latest rounds. Uh, when was the last time you uh, went out? Uh, last, last I went out a week ago, played Swanee Set. Oh. Oh, yeah, nice course there. Nice course there. Yeah, it's okay. Um, definitely could do a better bad. job keeping their greens. Did they, did they, uh, did they punch or? Mm, I'm assuming they did obviously punch, but like, I don't think they, I don't think they're keep, they're keeping their stim consistent. And also what their role think? is just not that great. Yeah. What do you think their stim, stim is? Uh, low. It's definitely low for sure. I, I don't have a stint meter or anything like that. That's not really the type of stuff I really focus on too much, but it was definitely slower than usual. I didn't well, really like it. So maybe like under I, 10, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What did you shoot? What did you shoot? Uh, off blues, like kind of, what was it? Si- kind of around 77, 78, something like that. I'm, I'm not sure. Wow. Um, but I could have, I definitely could have done better. Uh, I, 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 I liked how I played overall. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it was definitely you know, interesting playing, you know, golf with kind of the foggy environment. Uh, it was oh, definitely, yeah. it was definitely, uh, like, I know I should be careful, obviously, because, you know, it's bad air quality for sure. So it is, it is something that, like, you know, my family and I are continuing to monitor. Oh, yeah, my family as well. Yeah. Because of the wildfires in California that yeah, are going yeah. on at the time of this recording. Yes. And pray for all those families and pray for everyone that's affected. And yeah, everyone just be careful right now. Our mm-hmm. Canada's our place near the top in a bad way. So yeah, 
always Can already remember. number one. <laughs> Are we number one actually right now? I no. Uh, in terms of air quality, I think. It, well, San Francisco and Los Angeles are first, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we're like third or something, top five for sure. Yeah, we're top five. Oh. Yeah, not, not in the best way, but anyway, top at least five. we're top five. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Proud of, proud of, our, proud of yeah. our city and proud of our country. We did it, guys. We're top five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll be excited to see how the U.S. Open, uh, U.S. Open unfolds, and mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully everyone's staying safe. Hopefully, everyone is going to, uh, you know, continue to be um, socially distant. We want to make sure that you know, obviously, as flu season starts to come up again, you know, we continue to you know be more digital, um, you know, vigilant on obviously how we you know, practice not only social distancing, but also like, you know, being able to maintain our health and also like protect ourselves and those around us. You know, I personally endorse wearing a mask myself, like whenever I'm, whenever I'm outdoors, I personally like, you know, those disposable type of masks because those are the ones that I can use and I can, you know, throw away afterwards just so that I can make sure that like, you know, I don't have to worry about you know, maybe there's something wrong with like, you know, either the mask or maybe there's something wrong with like, you know, like, you know, maybe the germs get on, on the mask. And then like, whenever I take it off, like, you know, that's when the germs get on my hand repeatedly, Mm -hmm. but then I have to wash it only like once every like few days or so. So yeah. Like, like, uh, like, I, I guess that's like my, my, my end, my end point is that like, you know, I just hope everyone's staying safe and you're, you guys aren't being stupid out there, you know, and please, just, please guys, please. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I hope things are well, like just because like, you know, I, you know, I, I like many people obviously have like a family that I hope continues to stay well. Uh, you know, my, my grandma's definitely been in quarantine uh, for a while herself um was socially distancing uh you know for the last like you know five plus months when this whole quarantine was happening now she can't even go out anymore because of the air quality um and obviously because of the increase in cases as well so like you know our family's scared about that too so we're just uh holding out that she as well as like um everyone else continues to uh self-quarantine if they ever feel like their health is in a huge risk Oh, I know your worker rights too. If you um, if you ever feel like you're a little bit nervous about work, going to work, um, and to like an office or some sort of a place in particular, like yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything great. left to say, Justin? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. That's great that you mentioned yeah. that. Uh, always stay yeah. safe. No. Thank. Yeah, I'm not gonna repeat anything Justin said. Those are all things that everyone should be aware of. Uh, last thing I wanted to say was um, I played at Pagoda yesterday, technically two days ago now. But, yeah, yesterday nice. I played at Pagoda to have my revenge after that disgusting tournament performance. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I shot I, – I tied a cre- uh, personal best, which was, which was nice. I shot 87. 
Okay, nice. Yeah, so I, uh, that, was, that was good. That was good. Did you try to go for it on the 18? I know 10 now became 18. I, I did. I did. I did try to go for it, but at the same time, the flag was on the left side. If it was on the mm-hmm. right side, I think I had a better shot because I, I like to fade the ball naturally. Not like mm-hmm. uh, I don't shot shape right now, but then like it's just my n- normal shot kind of pattern. But then since it fades, you know, it, it's going to turn away from the hole. But I, I ended up making par, which was, which was great. And then 15, I made a a long putt from like I don't know 20-ish feet, 15 to 20 feet uh, mm-hmm. far. No, no birdies, but I I scrambled. Up. Yeah, shot 87, which for me is is pretty good. Um, I'm usually yeah I'm usually happy with like uh, like low low 90s, like mm-hmm. 90s or mm-hmm. yeah low 90s usually. So 87 is the So that's a good, good start, but also, like I said on Instagram, I have a long way to go. But yeah, pretty mm-hmm. exciting stuff. I thought I played one of my better rounds for sure. Recently. Definitely, definitely. But go to amazing golf course. Has that nice aesthetic to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but definitely the greens were disappointing. They punched it out, and the rough condition, the fairway conditions weren't that great. But that what kind of works in my favor because I like slower green. I like, like mm-hmm. when it's yeah. But then that's easier to like, attack, right? Yeah, but at the same time, my dad's like you know, tournament conditions are like you know better quality courses. You're gonna have to adjust to faster green. That's true, and I think that's something I've got to work on. Um and well, yeah, eighty-seven so 10, 20. Yeah. I bettered my score from the tournament by 19 shots. I think. Yeah, 19 mm-hmm. shots, which is shocking. I, th- I was going for 94, but yeah, that's great. But a lot of things come into play. You know, it's tournament condition. That's when the course was at its finest. It's tournament, so it's different a vibe. And then the pin positions were, like, extremely difficult. So all these things come into play. But at the same time, I thought, since I played there twice now, I thought I attacked the course or uh, strategized my game plan a little better for sure. And then my dad gave me some uh, pointers too here and there, so that really helped. But yeah, going into my next round on Sunday, hopefully, um, I think that's going to give me a lot of confidence. So, I'm coming for Jason. I don't know. We'll definitely play sometime soon. Definitely, definitely. Definitely can find some time, maybe before the season's over for sure. But uh, I think so. yeah, I would like to. I would like to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, uh, this, a long this has been hour and ahead. fifty minutes of podcasting. Jason's probably really tired. I'm exhausted. Thank you again, Jason, for joining me. Um, yeah. Always a pleasure. Always so fun to talk sports. It's no, nothing feels better except for actually going out there. But yeah, mm-hmm. 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 Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm about to collapse here, but yeah, thank you for being whoever's gonna listen. And you know, uh, yeah, I guess see you next time. And yeah, peace. Take care, guys, and stay safe. All right. <laughs>